Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning and welcome into the Opening Drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio. Uh, we're missing someone today. What, hey, what? Good, good folks. What, 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 what is going on? Where's Mr. Carriker at? You didn't make it in today? Well, Randy. Randy where? is off today and tomorrow, <laughs> so you got us. We get to run the show for a little bit and uh, have some good fun and, you know, talk a little sports. How was your weekend, yeah, bro? My weekend was great. Watched a lot of football. A few oh. things happening this weekend really? in college what? football. Okay, yeah, well, I'm yeah. sure we'll get into that. Yeah. It, it, was a, it was a fun weekend for uh, for sports in, in Missouri. And, uh, the, well, we'll start with the Cardinals. The Cardinals lost 2-3 or to the Phillies, winning the last game yesterday, 6-5, on a Jordan Walker home run in the eighth inning to take the lead. What did you think about that? I thought the Jordan Walker, it's just been so fun and exciting. And I, I know that's weird to say with this Cardinals season. And, look, we know what's happening with the Cardinals in this season. We know that things are not going to go into postseason play. But Jordan Walker, to me, has been a huge highlight and somebody that I enjoy to keep watching. I mean, even if you look defensively at the prog- progressions that he's made, five pitches into the game yesterday, Walker made that diving catch in right field. Did you guys see that? And then, as you mentioned, there is time. 5-5 to five in the 8th inning and then he hit the go-ahead home run. That was his 16th of the season to help the Cardinals win 6-5. to five. So, so far in 14 games in September, he's hitting 302 with 4 home runs. Seeing yeah. his progression is fantastic. It is. And Ali spoke on how he's improving defensively. Yeah, there's just a lot more confidence in that first step and just trusting what he's seeing rather than the hesitation and making sure and having some type of hesitation in there. So, yeah, I mean, he's starting to get more and more comfortable, but it's, it's looking better. Looking better. It is looking better. It is. You're starting to see the athleticism from mm-hmm. him. You're starting to see all of the – we talk about five-tool players. All of the things that he can do defensively is exciting. He's making plays. He's, he's throwing guys out. He's doing all of the things that – all of the critics said earlier this year, oh, why is he even out there? He doesn't, he looks lost. Yeah, he did. He hadn't played the position. You go out there and try to chat yeah. fly balls and tell me how well you do. <laughs> doesn't matter that you are a professional baseball. He hasn't done it. And so now he's got pretty much a full season under his belt, uh, mm-hmm. playing the position, getting comfortable. I think he's showing, showing everything that we thought we were going to see all season long, just an ability to be athletic in the field, an ability to hit the ball, hit the ball hard, hit the ball for power, uh, and, and really do a great job. And that's what I'm seeing from him right now. And just most importantly, he looks comfortable yeah. and confident out there. And, of course, that has to do with getting more reps. And, CD, you've been saying this all season, letting guys kind of play the position consistently so that they can build that confidence. Isn't it amazing what happens when you allow the players to do that? 
it matters. And, and <laughs> the consistency, knowing that, A, I'm in the lineup, mm-hmm. B, where I'm batting in the lineup, where I'm fielding, what position I'm playing every single day. When I come to work, if if I came, I told you, if we came to work every single day and we were playing musical chairs, I'm here <laughs> sitting in this seat on Monday and then I'm sitting in that seat on Tuesday and then I'm sitting in the, where is the Where's consistency? This, yeah. And, and then so you're thrown off you're, a little bit. Well, well, yeah. why, who, why the hell are you in my seat, Brooke? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't, you don't sit there. I sit there. And so just the consistency of knowing exactly what you're doing every single day, it gives you more confident, confidence, especially especially as a younger player. Mm-hmm. Knowing your role, being comfortable and confident in your role, I think you're starting to see all of that come to fruition right now, Falker. And it, it is exciting. Speaking of musical chairs, I feel like every time I come in here, this morning when I came in, the chairs were yeah. everywhere. Whatever the fast lane does when they leave, them. it's like it's like they sprint out of the room. Like you remember in school, in elementary school especially, you're ready to get out, you bell start. rings, and you're like, all right, and then you just the chairs scattered everywhere. That's what yeah. I felt like. So consistently yes. we come in with the chairs, and it's, I get it. I, I totally, totally understand how it's some of the Cardinals players felt this year. Oh, Same no thing, right? We got to have a conversation with the fast lane. <laughs> this uh, leaving before the bell rings yeah. has to stop. They're, they're sprinting out of here trying to get off on a, on a Friday. Friday uh, for the weekend, and so we, we'll, we'll talk with them about we'll, maybe we'll discuss. BT is in the corner over there. No one can see him <laughs> now, but he's poster life size poster of him in the corner. <laughs> the uh, St. Louis City had a draw this weekend with Houston Dynamo. They were favored to win that game. Rockley was uh, a two goal. They weren't favored to win that game. It was plus two. It was plus oh, two. It was plus two. It was plus two ninety. Uh, we got uh, the we got the win. Oh, no, plus sorry, plus two ninety was a tie. Plus two ninety was a tie. Plus three ten was what we got the win actually mm. at. Unfortunately, oh, gotcha. though, uh, it was it was it was a tough game for him. You know, Houston Dynamo hadn't conceded in five league games or their last five league games, and you got a goal past them, and it was it was Santa Claus. So that was nice to see. But uh, hopefully, you can turn it around because again, we're going to talk to Carnell because. There are two big games that have been encircled on the schedule for the last two months. If you're STL City, which is you got you got blank, you got beat up 3-0 at Seattle, and you got mm-hmm. beat up 3-0 at LAFC. Those are number two and three in the conference, and now you get both of those guys at home in this final stretch. Game one of those two is is on Wednesday. Can you show up against LAFC? Because here's the here's the thing for me: the way that the conference finals and everything work out. If you get home field advantage as the number one overall seed, at some point there's a good chance money, you know, bet smart money would be either LAFC or Seattle is the team that comes to you for the conference finals at City Park. So the question is, can you beat them at City Park? Because if you can't at home this time, questions got to be marks have to be around. Are you getting past the final stage before the MLS Cup? If you beat LAFC on Wednesday, roads open, baby. Yeah, I the biggest thing is what you're talking about there, being able to play at home, because we discussed this a little bit last week about playing on the road. Not that they have been terrible, but there's times that we've seen where they're not able to exactly close the door and finish things out. Now, I did think that Houston Dynamo, that was a very tough game for him. I felt like that was a very gritty performance from City SC and some positives I took away. I thought Celio coming in, I thought that that was a positive and Jake Narinsky, what he was able to do. I think that he has the potential to be a really big lockdown defender for them. Yeah, Nowinski's been kind of he's been up and down. He had a couple really yes. good interceptions, which I really liked. Um, you know, that they the fullback question's always been there. Akil Watts kind of took over as the right back. So Nowinski having a big game's big. Pompeu's just been kind of 
you know, stuck down in the depth chart because they've gotten Adeniran and, and all these guys going. Yes. I really liked what we saw from him as well. You were talking about the away things. That was their 19th away goal in their 15th away game. They have 37 goals in 14 home games. There's Just a kind difference of, there. <laughs> there's yeah. a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> Any concern for you all that they haven't won their last three matches? Tied uh, two of them, lost to Kansas City. Uh, is there any concern there? I think I don't know if it's just more that you are starting to get a lot of these guys back healthy. Remember, that's yeah. been a big issue with City SC this entire season is you had a lot of guys out. So you had substitutions coming in. You had guys that typically were not part of your starting 11 coming in. But I think that the way that what we're seeing right now, you're playing on the road quite a bit. And there's been some quick turnarounds with some of those games. And I think just getting guys back acclimated to each other. That's what I, my takeaway is from it. What do you think, Rock? Yeah, I mean, again, it's been it's been a lot of away games. You've been away from City Park, and that's that's when that's where you've struggled a little bit this year. But yeah, I think you know you you are getting guys involved. I think you looked at you know the the pairing of uh, Joakim Nielsen and Tim Parker, which I think is going to be your pairing if you're playing in an MLS Cup. When you're talking about your back four, that's going to be your center backs, um, and so those guys have to get comfortable. But that's mm-hmm. going to take a process. Even though they're both extremely talented, there's a process to getting acclimated. You know, we talk about it with the offensive line in football. Carry doesn't you don't need to. Five best guys, but if you have the if you have five solid guys who play the entire season yeah. together, by the time you hit the playoffs, you will be mauling people. And it's the same thing with a, with a center back in, in in soccer. And so that's a big thing, you know. Continually getting guys like Nukvi Thorson, who again got more time in this past game against Houston, getting those guys acclimated into your system, that's important. And again, you you have a four, you had two games in in five days with LAFC on Wednesday, and so things are always going to change in the lineup. City will take on LAFC this Wednesday. Uh, September 20th on at 7.30 at City Park. A uh, huge matchup. The city is ahead of uh, LA, LAFC by six points, so it's going to be a big matchup for them. Up the road in Columbia, an unlikely finish. Ooh. An hey. unlikely finish. We hey. got hey. to congratulate we, uh, Mizzou. Oh, Rock, uh, okay. Rock is already upset. What, what are we talking about? Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker, comes on and nails a 61-yarder. It is Brooks. Mevis kick on the way. That was the great part, right? That, that was, was the that great was part. How exciting. Rank that in, in finishes in Mizzou history. That has to be up there. Has to be high I feel like, on the list. Well, I'm trying to think. Probably the other most recent <laughs> win, in my opinion, would be, remember when they beat, like they went down to Florida and beat uh, Florida in Gainesville? Yeah, yeah. I think going down the swamp, that was a pretty big one. But I think in that Columbia, whole, though. Like, at, in at Columbia. Home, oh, yeah. They, they have a long history of, you got the kick six, you got the five downs. Was that yeah. in Columbia? That was in Columbia, right? That was no, against was them, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You got bad things that happen in Mizzou history. That was a good kick. Now, it's not all great because prior to that kick, we had a had a bit of an issue. What what what, what happened? Um well, what, what, what happened? Well, here, let, let's just let's explain it real quick. So before that whole Harrison Mevis situation, mm-hmm. which once again, hats off to Harrison Mevis. To me, that felt like a huge redemption moment for him because remember last season, Harrison Mevis in Auburn. You guys remember that situation? Oh. I'm just saying. And so that what was it, Rock? Was it a 26 field goal attempt? 
Yeah, he's, not, like he's, not good, he's not good at the short ones. He's, yeah. he's, and he's been struggling oh, with the short ones one. this year. But he's missed a short one and he's missed a uh, point after attempt. So the issue was, before that big moment from Harrison Mevis, was a very bad delay of game penalty by Eli Drinkwitz. Oh, so Mevis bailed him out, essentially, and Drinkwitz said that. He said it was a boneheaded move decision that happened there, and Mevis bailed him out. Man, I'm saying if that wasn't the result at the end there, we would be having a different conversation today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you have to you have to pay attention. <laughs> you got to stay dialed in at all times. Fortunately, uh, the thicker kicker came through. He's a, we had we had him on last year, didn't we? He's a we did, very, yeah. very charismatic young man. And he liked the nickname. Uh, boneheaded yeah. <laughs> is an understatement. I do not think <laughs> that situationally. I've ever seen a worse delay of game penalty in my entire life. It, it I don't really know that there is confusing. an is ever. You have a fifty-six you ha- yard. You 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 clock. You clock yep. it. So you get a full full play clock. You got forty freaking seconds to put together your field goal team for a fifty-six yarder. Not exactly the easiest well, task in the world. No, no. And you're out there on the field powwowing like it's a full two-minute timeout, and it's yeah. the end of the. You know, it's the last two minutes of the NBA final game. You got you, you got thirty-five <laughs> minutes to plan it out. And all of a sudden you realize with like four seconds left on the play clock, oh no, we're screwed. It, it was the most unprepared Bush League. I should still be a coordinator at Appalachian State Ooh, move I've oh. ever seen. Tell us how you feel, Rock. Hey, a win is a win. A win Rock. is a no, win. No, 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 no. A win no. is a win. Not no no. Again, I don't I'm I, I refuse to get results oriented. <laughs> When the process is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire hey, life. That, it, was, I mean, is it a W in the win column? It's a W. It, okay, and, that's and what that's I thought. That's what we, we're judged by in this in this profession. W's, wins and losses. Nobody cares. <laughs> don't tell me how you got there, buddy. Just tell me you got there. I don't, <laughs> I don't give a damn what, took, what it took. <laughs> you got there. You won the game. And so you can – it makes everything much better. Now, if you had lost – oh. Eh, then it's a totally different discussion. I would say this, this though, Carrie, Carrie, the difference between the f- the field goal not going through is quite literally your water bottle. But it Let happens. me ask you a question. The the difference between what? The field goal no, not going through. It, so so that means it did. It did. That's all that matters. It did. They, they got the win. A huge upset victory uh, versus number 15, Kansas State. And so, you know, hats off to those guys. This is why we shouldn't rank They have the a huge game this weekend in St. Louis versus Memphis. I will be there. Uh, Mizzou versus Memphis yeah. downtown should be a good game for them. It will be. It'll yes. be really exciting. And the other big story is that obviously Mizzou coming in three and zero to that and to the dome. But Brady Cook and Luther Burden, the St. Louis connection there, them coming to St. Louis three and zero. That to me is what's really exciting. Your time check is seven thirteen. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson's Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, three things that we loved about the weekend. Brooke, Carrie, Rock. On the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. No Randy Carricker today. He once again is planning his days off mm. right. Today and tomorrow off, a very long weekend three for Randy Carricker. So we don't even have to do the three things that he loves because nah. we know what he loves. 
Taking that extra day day off. off. Taking two (laughs) days off. Well, now it is time for three things that we loved from this weekend. As we mentioned, we already know Randy. But why don't you kick us off, Carrie? Number three. My number three is going to be, it was an intriguing play. The last night, I I, I love football, right? And when I watch football, I very rarely get surprised by something that I've never seen before. New England did something last night that I have never seen before in football. They blocked the field goal. Now, you may say, oh, man, they blocked the field goal. Ooh, ooh. No, they sprinted a guy almost from the numbers <laughs> on the sideline, full <laughs> tilt, full speed, timed the snap perfectly, and blocked the field goal. I have never in my entire yes. life, and I think no one that was watching it has ever seen it. I don't think anyone, anyone that was broadcasting it has ever seen it. And as much as we talk about Bill Belichick and how terrible he is as a coach. He comes up with game plans and schemes and things creative. that we he is extremely creative and does things in football that we have never seen. Add that to the list. You know what he's going to do next? Like, you know what this means, right? He he just figured out that like speed matters more than angles. He's going to he's going to rush he's going to rush a defensive end from the nickelback position. Uh, he he's going to be like he's well, he be won't like, get there. The offensive tackle can't kick step that wide. Yeah, he, he won't ever get there because well, the ball will be gone. But that field goal that was incredible. That was um I I was amazed. I thought it was beautiful. Well, yeah, with Schooler, just the speed that he used there. But okay, if you're the Dolphins in that situation, when that in that defender that was supposed to be watching him what's the excuse you, there there is no excuse that coach i've never you know what the, you know what the excuse is coach you never prepared me for that for that you situation. never coached me up on that i've never seen someone running full speed from the sideline so as, at an angle yeah. it was the smartest thing i've seen and it was amazing he blocked the kick I, I thought they tried it again later but yeah. and i think it, it it affected the miami dolphins kicker because he pushed it left a little bit it was amazing to see. And that's, again, Bill Belichick does things that you never see. He is extremely creative in his football mind. Quick coaching question you just made me kind of pop in my head. Is there a chance that he's doing that so that the next field goal, they overcompensate for it and they get a block from a different it's possible. angle? It's possible. It's all in my I mean, head. you can, you can like, you don't run even someone between the, the wing time. and the tight end. Yeah, it, it, it was... I thought it was amazing. It was. Okay. I know that we have take it or leave it coming up here in a minute, but just a quick one. Take it or leave it. How many high school coaches are going to try to implement that oh. this coming weekend oh. and in their playbook moving forward? I mean, if, I can get, if, I, if I can get a smart kid to figure out and time this up perfectly, especially if it's a longer kick, oh, hell yeah. Uh, yes. We're going to spread him from the sideline. We're going to see I that thought everywhere. the guy was on the sideline. I didn't realize he was standing there intentionally. I thought he was just running out late. <laughs> All right, my number three thing, favorite thing from this weekend, guys, the Titans bouncing back. Oh. And look, you guys know I was pretty upset with Ryan Tannehill last weekend, and honestly, rightfully so, because we saw his performance. But I have to give him his flowers this week. The Titans were able to bounce back with a 27-24 overtime victory against the Chargers, and to me, it looked a lot better, specifically Ryan Tannehill completing 20 of 24 passes for 246 yards and a touchdown. Guys, no turnovers. No, it was that's, a, it was that's a, important. It was a surprising win. By it the was because Justin Herbert, expect. honestly, is really yeah. good. Uh, let me say something. Maybe you don't think so? Have. No, I do, but I don't think they're good. I don't think the Chargers. Well, yeah, their record their, reflects their that. Head, yeah, their head coach is uh, he leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the concern. And I was going to text you this. The concerning thing for me that I saw 
was that Peter Skaronsky and Will Levis were inactive for that game. Yes. Your first and second pick in last year in this past year's draft, inactive for the game. That's concerning for me. Yes. Because it's very you always you dress as many linemen as you possibly can. And the fact that he was drafted number 11 overall and didn't dress, did, was inactive. That's Will Levis is not active. That means Malik Willis is your backup. Mm-hmm. That is concerning for me. Yeah. That, that 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 put up a little bit of a red flag for me. Yeah. No, it believe me, me too. And that's the thing is with Ryan Tannehill, you saw that first performance, absolutely terrible. You hope that that's not going to be the case. But with him, I don't know. It feels almost like a you know, Jekyll and Hyde situation with him where you don't know what you're going to get with him between each game. And that's what we saw last season. Hopefully it won't happen again. But either way, exciting to see the Titans get a victory. It was. Number two. My number two, I think would, it would be everyone else's number one, but my number one is a little bit closer to my heart. It was the Colorado, Colorado State game of last, uh, of Saturday night. Well, into Sunday morning, as late as it went. Oh my God. (laughs) It was late. It was late as could be, but I believe everyone stayed up to watch that game because it was a thrilling finish to watch Colorado take the lead in the Mm -hmm. overtime, finally win the game in the manner in which they did. I, I, there's, there's not enough to say about what we saw this past weekend from Colorado, and, and hats off to Colorado State as well because they performed extremely well. Uh, surprising, yeah. right? I didn't think anyone believed coming into that game that they would have a chance and going to overtime, going to double overtime, and, and be able to win that game. It was just, it was thrilling to watch. Uh, you know, tr- uh, Horton, the kid from Colorado State, tr- Tory Horton, was fantastic, and I am certain. He is going to be high on a lot of draft boards after that game. But Shadur Sanders is him. He is the guy. He is a special talent. Shiloh Sanders had a pick six. Those guys are playing well, and it is fun to watch, even at 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, even seeing all the fanfare happening beforehand, the celebrities that came out, The Rock went out there. I mean, we couldn't even get The Rock to come by St. Louis. And he owns the league. After seeing that, I'm like, okay, you can make a pit stop in St. Louis. Okay, but I thought that was a great game. A little bit closer than, as you mentioned, I think a lot of people expected. But it was still an overtime primetime thriller. See what I did there? Yeah, that that was there. You go. I like it. It was exciting. Well, how about that? How about? My number two thing from this weekend that got me excited would be Jason Isringhausen being a guest coach for the Cardinals during this homestand. And it seems like this is just during this homestand and maybe it could be something in the future. Right now, as we know, he's just kind of his current role is a special advisor to player development and he goes through the minor league system. But I would honestly love to see him at the major league level and maybe... We'll be able to see that soon. Maybe Having a, him around. I mean, he's the Cardinals all-time saves leader. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. Yeah. Sure. Hmm. Number one. My number one is my son scored a 45-yard touchdown on Saturday. Wow. He lost the game. But seeing him continue to progress in his football career uh, is exciting for me. Made a couple of guys miss. We got to work on the speed. He's he got to work on the – we got to go a little bit faster. But he was able to outrun everybody. So, no, 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 no. You got to think like Odell Beckham, just longer strides. Longer strides. If he's not, gotta, if he's not yeah. foot speed, we got to get like we, Beckham and those guys long strides. For me to see him continue continuing to grow in his football career. I get excited because I know he loves the game. I know he wants to be really good at it. That's awesome. And so, yeah, that's my number one. Catch and run or run? Uh, Catch. He caught a pass. Made a couple guys miss. There we go. 
I love that. That is awesome. That's pretty good. My number one is going to be, and I mentioned this earlier, Luther Burden and Brady Cook. Seeing those two St. Louisans be able to perform in that game this past weekend against Kansas State, Brady Cook making a lot more strides offensively, and that's a credit to Eli Drinkwitz and Kirby Moore, maybe to kind of open things up a little bit more offensively for him, the way that he battled through the game. And Luther Burden, we already knew that he was a star, but we were waiting for him to take even more of that next step. And to me, he's a superstar. What he was able to do this past weekend, I think, put him even more on a national map and when it comes to getting attention, and deservingly so. So now they're 3-0 and coming back here to St. Louis, East St. Louis native and Luther Burden, Brady Cook, Chaminade alum. And so I'm really excited to see their progression. I got the pleasure of covering both of them when they were in high school, and they are spectacular young men. And so it makes me really happy because we know just because you're good in high school doesn't mean it's going to pan out in college. So I'm very happy for their success. Hats off to them. They are doing well. Hopefully they can come here and uh, continue going in the right direction. Memphis is going to be tough, but it it will will be be. a good game, I feel like. All right. Well, those are the things that we love from this weekend. Coming up next, we're going to go to the celebrity line to talk to St. Louis City head coach Bradley Carnell. That's ahead on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's the inside run. Vasilev back in front, out in top. Big save, Lachals finds the equalizer. Second straight game, the Brazilian provides goal-scoring heroics. And St. Louis City are level. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And we go to the celebrity line and visit with our friend, St. Louis City soccer head coach, Bradley Carnell. How are you doing this morning? Kerry, doing very well. Thanks for having me again. Thank you for joining us. Coach, you all had a 1-1 draw uh, versus Houston Dynamo this past weekend. What did you see? You came back in that game, were able to score a goal late. What did you learn about your team? What have you been learning about your team? Yeah, I'm pretty much speechless by now at this point of the season because – you know, my team has made me so proud over the last couple of months. And every time we think we get challenged, um, the boys step up again and, and rise to the table and, and, you know, bring home a performance that, uh, you know, unassumingly was a very, very important point. Um, and unassumingly, you don't take Houston as a very, you know, narrative is out there. Yeah, listen, the Houston maybe fifth in the in the conference and, you know, we're expected to win because we first. Um I think the MLS these days is a lot tighter than that. And you can see the parity in, in the Western Conference. And uh, there's nothing uh, taken for granted. And uh, Houston's a tough nut to crack. But they're happy about the way the point uh, of the game ended. And, uh, 
you know, data-wise, we outshoot them at their own stadiums. So, you know, we, we felt we had the sort of majority share of uh, of the bigger chances. And, uh, yeah, we, we adjusted uh, in many ways and, and uh, came out on top at the end of the game there in terms of uh, gaining a point and getting Klaus a goal. And, you know, just a load of cohesion and, and chemistry on the field at that point in time. So very happy with the way the game ended. You talk about Houston being a team that is trying to get into that top four. They are a team fighting, and, and to get that point and to get that tie was huge for you all. What did Houston was, was – what were they doing that was maybe presenting some problems for you all early? Yeah, I don't think it's just Houston. I think there's many teams in, in the Western Conference that uh, there's always conflicts of style and, and different uh, uh, methodologies and philosophies. So, you know, the way Houston go about their game, you know, it's very similar to uh, San Jose or uh, LA Galaxy. So we've been having some really good reps against some good opponents and uh, who play a similar way. But uh, what Houston do, they bring a lot of fight. Um, with Benny Olsen, their coach, I know uh, on the Eastern Conference for many years now, he brings a lot of courage, a lot of fight from his team and a lot of grit and desire. So, you know, balance that with some good, smart, savvy soccer players. Um, and you could see the way they, they scored their first goal. Very, very, um, yeah, technicians, I would say, you know, uh, of the ball. And uh, they were able to move the ball from left to right and through us and score a, score a very, um, you know, good-looking goal. Um, I'm as equally pleased as our goal, uh, who went through eight out of ten players on the field from one side to the next to to equalize. So, you know, for all the good things that, uh, you know, the opponent does, we respect the opponents, but uh, we always feel like, uh, yeah, our grass is greener. (laughs) (laughs) Coach, it definitely was a very gritty performance from your guys. And I wanted to ask you about Nerwinski coming in and Pompeu. Yeah, I mean... uh, Sort of, Jake, we having a look at player profiles and opposition, and, and it's, a good, it's a good way to frame the question because Jake's a very good, solid defensive player, right? So, um, and the way we decided to use our attacking structure, you know, the way Celio was able to find space on the wings. Um, so it was all a little bit of a, a tactical shift uh, to get to certain profiles on the field and uh, coming up against certain opponents. Um, and I think you can see the way Celio went at the back line in 1v1s, dribbling. It's kind of given them some of their own medicine, um, per se, if you would, if you would call it that. Um, and then Jake, just to keep things stable at the back. And uh, we limit we limit to, I think, three shots on target at the night, but no, no real big chances. Um, so again, you know, a pretty much a, a very solid defensive unit, and and when you outscore the opponent in, um, uh, you outshoot the opponent in their home stadium. It's always a good sign as well. Also, a huge game as we mentioned coming up this Wednesday, hosting LAFC. What are your expectations going into that game, and how long have you guys had this one circling on the calendar? I know that every game is important, but I think we understand the importance of this one right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you were to say at match day thirty that this is a top-of-the-table clash. You'd be like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, And again, we've created a monster here in St. Louis. We've created the beast, and now we just have to temper and control expectations, right? So we, we're going to enjoy this game. Um, we're going to give it our all. Uh, we're going to be on the front foot. We want to you know, pose LAFC some problems. And, uh, yeah, they're a, they're a fun team. Um, I played against their coach many years in, uh, in Germany in the Bundesliga, so I know Steve really well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting game because they have some athletic uh, power. They have some technical power. Uh, they have some individual class and capability. So, you know, um, they're a really good team. Um, and if they peak and click at the right time, we saw, we contained them for 74 minutes, uh, in the first game in, in Los Angeles. 
uh, you know, the score was 0-0 to that point, and I think we conceded one shot on frame uh, up until that point. But then, you know, they are able to find a space and open a gap, and, and then that game ended 3-0. So if they find their groove, they're very difficult to contain, and, and there's just no two, two way to go about that. You know what I mean? There's just no ways. Uh, once they start to click, it becomes very difficult. Now, it's our challenge and our job at our home stadium, at our fans, you know, with our fans, uh, to celebrate this moment for us almost. Um, as an exhibition for us to, to show what we've done throughout the season, to show what we are capable of here at, at City Park. Um, and again, just to be prepared for this final stretch. You know, we've had a grueling away schedule. You know, we had two home games in amongst four away games, um, which was challenging, demanding, big travels, you know. So uh, we feel the travel now besides Vancouver. You know, we have Vancouver and Minnesota, uh, the next two away games. But right now we have three home games and two, two, uh, two away games. And that's going to be our key focus. We're visiting with St. Louis City head coach Bradley Carnell. Coach, you, you talked about beasts, and you got one back. He scored in back-to-back games. Jao Klaus, how well do you sleep knowing that he's back in the lineup? I sleep, I sleep very well knowing our strikers, <laughs> the three of them, have contributed to 24 goals. Yeah. You know? um, so Klaus is a menace. Yes, we said it from Magical 1 through 5. Klaus is a menace. He, but what he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's like a shrewd operator. He knows when he should press. He knows when he should keep compact. He knows when to execute, you know, uh, taking away tactical game plans, whether we want to channel the play one way, channel the play the other way. So I would say that's amongst his biggest attributes, not just his goal-scoring attributes. And he's a really good teammate. You know, he drives high standards. He holds people accountable. Um, and he's a fun guy to be around. You know, he's a really loving, caring person in and around the training facility. And these are things you don't see. You see the... You see the guy on the field who imposes other defenses and other center backs. But, I mean, there's just a guy with a soft heart behind all that armor. Um, but like I said, you know, we have 24 goals from three different strikers. Um, and they're all trending in the right direction going to the home playoff stretch here. Sam Adeneron has also been another player that's been exciting to watch. And he's going to be coming back, I assume, this Wednesday. He missed the Houston game because of a red card in the previous game. What is it like to get him back this week? Yeah, I think, you know, just basically saying what I said, you know, before, you, we have really good solutions and, and options up, up top of the field. And no doubt Sam has come on in leaps and bounds and uh, has really grown in this. Since we've recalled him from his loan from San Antonio, he's grown as a not just a, a soccer player, but I believe in, for, in order for you to play better soccer, you have to grow as a person, right? So. You have to know what the league demands are. You know what the demands of your teammates are. You have to know about the demands of the games. And, you know, then there's the tactical demands of, of doing that too. So, but besides all of that, he's grown as a person and, and he's reflected that and he's shown his personality on, on the field of play. So, you know, we're all still youngsters at this. You know, we don't say we've played 700 uh, MLS games and, and we've been around the block. No, we haven't. You know, this club's 10 months old, basically. Um, we've we've grown as individuals, coaches. Uh, you know, we've grown as a team. So there's been so many positives here, and, and Sam is just one of them. St. Louis St. Louis City takes on LAFC Wednesday, September 20th at 7:30 at City Park. Show up, be loud. Coach will be tuned in. We'll be watching. Best of luck to you this Wednesday. Kerry, thanks a lot, Brooke. Thank you so much. That was St. Louis City head coach Bradley Carnell joining us, and uh, it's a big game. Hey, it, it is. It is. They're, they're fighting. They're, they're trying to hold on to that lead. LAFC is going to come in here trying to close some ground on them. Uh, and as you said, Rock, this win could be a big way, a big win in, in ways of leading them and making sure they finish this, finish this division in first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm less worried about 
LAFC maybe catching them. I know a lot of people are like, you know, they got to win this game because the three points matter for standings. I'm, for me, this is, you know, this is kind of goes back to my, my Mizzou take. I, I don't care about really what the final score is in this one. You know, things can, weird things can happen. This you is all about, or you can you run with hmm. potentially the team that's stopping you from playing in the MLS Cup? Can you run with them for a full 90 or are you going to crack it at the 70 minute mark again? That's that's the big question here. And it's going to and, and again, in another week or so when they face off against Seattle in the exact same situation, can you run with one of the best mm-hmm. or, or are you going to crack again in the last 20 minutes? That's the big question. And again, if they lose 2-1, but it's but but it's, you know, it's a close one and they're getting and they're getting attempts on goal in the 90th minute plus stoppage time and it just doesn't happen, I'll be okay with a 2-1 loss. It'll it'll, it'll it'll suck, you know, it'll it'll make things a little bit more nerve-wracking, but it's all about can they run with this team and and getting a Dennerin back and Klaus in the same time. And the big thing there is that Klaus is playing in a different role now. But when when it was him and Gio, Gio was the support player. Klaus was the head of the spear. And now with Klaus and a Dennerin, it's switched. Klaus has to be the support guy that connects everything. And a Dennerin's the final tip of the spear. So I want to see how that goes. If they get it right, I don't know if there's a defense that's going to be able to stop them. Yeah, the biggest thing is a full 90-plus from them. And getting home advantage is going to be huge because we discussed the difference between the two when they're on the road versus home I think is very clear and that's a testament to the environment that the fans have built here that's Brooke I'm Kerry coming up next is take it or leave it get your text into 314-399-9646 that's 314-399 yo ho take it or leave it is next you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers time for take it or leave it want to say something put it out there if you like it you can take it if you don't set it right back get your text in test 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it brought to you by gloria lou realty visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing that's my final offer take it or leave it to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio. No Randy Carricker today. Take it or leave it. He's out on a golf course. Oh, what time is it? Take it. Well, he's getting prepared. Or getting ready getting for a ready golf course. Getting ready for a golf course. Who's I'm going to take that. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Randy is a, he's an avid golfer. He is. <laughs> any day he doesn't have here and it's decent outside i i expect him to be playing golf especially as it's it's nice and cool outside it's perfect all right well it's time for take it or leave it so make sure you get in your take it and leave it right now to the text line to the air comfort service text line that is 314-399-9646 that's 314-399-yo-ho guys i'll go ahead and start us off even though i did one this is my real take it or leave it take it or leave it after seeing zach wilson Yesterday, you can see why the Jets were reportedly looking at some veteran <laughs> quarterbacks. Take it. Now, I, after seeing him perform last year, I can see why they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. That's what it looked like. Didn't it not look like the Jets in 2022, essentially? It's, it's you know, it's, I feel like when you are a, a head coach, GM, it is the hardest thing to do is get that draft pick right at times because yeah. they drafted him number two overall with the expectation that he would come in and be their future. You don't spend a number two, a first round pick on a quarterback without the expectation for him to be your quarterback of the future for the next 10 to 12 years, hopefully. And here we are uh, three, four years later. He was not even supposed to be on the field, and we're mm-hmm. right back at it, and he's performing in the same manner in which he did before. You, you guys aren't surprised, like impressed by the Tim Tebow special? 
Yeah, no. He, no. Hit, hit a nice little seven-yard slant that everyone goes, oh, my God, look at Zach no. Wilson. Look what he's doing, I, guys. I no. would like to see more consistency. There goes Gillard Wilson. Consistency? Look at Zach Wilson did. That was nice. That was a good pass. Nice little, yeah. Seven, give it to him quickly. ten-yard slant. All you got to do is get the ball to your receivers quickly and let them make plays. And that's what I'm going to say is that it looks, like, it looks like all the tools are there, but this is not an offense that was built for Zach Wilson, well, essentially, or that he's not capable of executing. Quarterbacking is a hard position. Yeah. If you have... If you are unable to uh, dissect defenses, if you're unable to like the pre and post snap uh, plays, they're complete. They could be completely different. Pre snap, you got one coverage. Post snap, it changes, and that's in the blink of an eye. And so now yeah. you're looking at something that is completely different from what you thought would be two and a half seconds ago. So if you're not able to recognize, understand. You know, and and really translate that in your brain to know where the ball should go immediately. You're going to struggle at that position, and it it will never be good. Yeah. And I think that you when you see quarterbacks perform poorly, it's that pre-snap, post-snap transition, their inability to figure out what in the world just happened to them. So, what did you think of his performance? I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> that's probably Philly. That's probably worse than thinking he was. I don't have anything. Yeah. Nothing. I think nothing of his performance. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Just, he's just there. He's there. He's there. He's he's a good guy, I think. Maybe. 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 So my take it or leave it, the refs in the uh, Lions-Seahawks game, the referee told Geno Wilson, Geno was trying to complain about a uh, flag that was thrown, and the referee told him, hey, I'm trying to talk to America. It's the Lions versus the Seahawks. Take it or leave it. America ain't watching. <laughs> Maybe the Midwest. Yeah, I'm going to take that one. Yeah, you're right. Come on, ref. He should have said, I'm ta- hey, hey, I'm talking to the Midwest. Funny. But that was funny, <laughs> it though. It would have been better if he said that. America ain't watching the Lions and the and the Seahawks. I think they might have had other things to I'm do. I'm sure there I, were there yeah. were a few other games that the, were uh, the Lions played the Seahawks. Exactly, exactly. It yeah. was a very funny line though, seeing yeah, that was. all over X on social media. Uh, no, he, America's not watching that game. <laughs> Flipping channels. Rock, what do you have on the text line? Take it or leave it. Chris Carpenter will not be at Brendan Ryan bobblehead night. I'll take it. No, yeah, take it. Leave, probably. Yes. leave it. He'll be there. He'll just be a little late. He'll be. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Well done. Yes. Well done, Rock. That would nice. be a full circle moment for nice. sure. I like it. <laughs> um, take it or leave it. Luther Burden is so elite. He cannot be stopped. CD, how about them Illini? M-I-Z? No. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. they snuck what, that what one did, in, did, didn't they? What did Luther and, yeah, we lost. That's okay. When, as number I just seven, talked about quarterbacks. Quarterback number seven, play. number 15. When your quarterback throws four picks, you are probably not going to win. I think that that's, you know, okay. a very, very I, fair assessment. Uh, just how it goes. That's how football goes. Take it or leave it. My fiance doesn't know that I use her expensive salon shampoo, and I love it. Oh, take it, buddy. She, is she's this my fiance? Out, is this gonna, my fiance ah, texting ah, in? Buddy, because you, you, I, you I know what's going she's on. Gonna here. Figure it out sooner or later. Yeah, you think you're walking on a bridge right now? That's a yeah. that's a plank, fella. Yeah, and at some point right there's a, there is an end to that plank. I don't know how long it's gonna be. You think it's a bridge? That's a plank, buddy. You're, you're Especially fall off. if it's really expensive. That's a plank. If it's really expensive, she definitely knows how much she's using it. And then if she starts to notice that it's going out a little bit sooner. Good luck. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. Take, oh, yeah. Take it or leave it. It's Caleb Williams season for the Bears. I'm going to continue to root for against the Panthers for that draft pick. 
<sighs> I also, I guess, take it or leave it too. Just you guys are buying the absolute panic from Bears country when it comes to Justin. Yeah, Fields. what do you think? Do you think the Bears are the worst team? I was hearing. No. The, do you think the Bears are the worst team in the NFL? That was the discussion they had this morning uh, on the show. The worst team in the our NFL. Boy, our boy Cohen. Yes, that was Cohen's take. There are there are some pretty bad teams in the NFL. Ones that need quarterbacks, though. Let's see. It, the, well, the Jets are going to need a quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is going to be fifty, are you, and I don't you, know if. You, what about if, Zach Wilson? I thought he. I thought he did good. They, they somebody, already moved on from Carrie, him. Carrie, somebody texted in that Zach Wilson is good. Yeah, no, he's that, that person is is. They're they're delusional. I'm trying to think of a worse team right now. A, a, a worse team than the Bears the right now. Cardinals, but they haven't. But they've shown they, up the last two ha- weeks. They actually have been playing the really well. The Giants are are terrible, but their quarterback is locked in for the foreseeable future. Uh, Houston, Indianapolis got their quarterbacks. Tennessee, eh? Maybe. Well, yeah. Maybe they're gonna get a third quarterback in the third year. I, I don't know what the hell they're doing there. Uh, Tampa Bay, even though Baker Mayfield is playing well, they'll be looking for a quarterback. Uh, uh, franchise quarterback mm-hmm. um i mean washington with sam howe has been has competed <sighs> that's a very good question i don't looking at it now because we thought arizona would be the team that would be trying to tank but somebody needs to tell the arizona cardinals that because yes. they <laughs> clearly didn't get the memo that they're tanking this year for caleb williams <laughs> joshua dobbs said the I hell we say, are joshua dobbs <laughs> looks good actually joshua looks dobbs pretty good and like, even, even last week you're like well they played they, they they were close with the commanders and you're like well the commanders aren't good but then the commanders beat the broncos they came and, back and won that game so it makes maybe, it the cardinals maybe, look better but Russell Wilson actually looked good yesterday. That's, that's true. So it, it's been some some really good play. I don't know where and that it's quarterback. Week two. Yeah, it's it's hard to fully distinguish. Minnesota what this team might is. be looking for a quarterback at the end of the season if, yeah. if they uh, don't re-sign Kirk Cousins. I would say Tampa, Minnesota. Uh, I, I don't know how you're the Falcons and think Desmond Ritter is your your answer because he ain't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be. I mean, there will be some teams. I don't know that Arizona is going to be one of them because Joshua Dobbs got other plans. This is his first real opportunity to play, and he's showing that he should be playing. And I like it. He's too smart to think they can win. <laughs> Sometimes we're, we're, we're that dumb, Rock. Even he, as intelligent no, he's too, as we, he's no. too smart. <laughs> Even though we're intelligent, that's the part why you think you can win. No. I can make it happen. I guess the rocket scientist in him is like, if I can go to Mars, the Cardinals can win six games <laughs> There this you year. go. <laughs> Take it or leave it. We have seen the last of Tyler O'Neill in a Cardinals Ooh, uniform. Ooh, I am going to take, take that. that. Yeah. Another another injury putting him on the injured list. It's very unlikely that we'll see him the rest of the season. Did they say for sure that he's done for the rest of the season yet, or is it just the 10-day I Yeah, I'm not that sure if that, if that terminology was used. But – did there's, they say what it was? No is it lower body? What was it? Is it a it is, was it hamstring? Hold on one second. Oh, I will foot, get to you. Foot. I it is it was a some foot lower injury. Body. And that that's as bad as a back. <laughs> yep. No, so it's like feet. If it's not an ankle, if it's your if foot, the bottom of your foot, you get plantar fasciitis. You get yes. all of these things. The worst, one of the worst injuries I've ever had in my life. Two of them. Mm-hmm. I had a bruised tailbone, Ooh. which was unbearable. And yeah, because you can't had, sit and oh, even like relax was, probably. And turf toe, Ooh, turf toe I, yeah. is the worst thing. You have no clue how much you need your big toe until you can't use it. It <laughs> for it, balance oh, for everything. Oh, just yeah, it's just essential. Walking, yeah, it, it, that. So anything with your feet, 
I'm always that always causes concern for me. Yeah. The amount of former athletes I know who are just like, oh yeah, I just have constant pain in my feet. I'm like, what do you mean like? I'm like, I'm like every if a certain day. thing happens. I just no, no, like throughout the day. Like I'm like every day, every day. How do you? I would go insane. I would go literally insane. Rock the I amount of pain insane. I have every day. You. you yeah. <laughs> My baseline is like 75%. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. The baseline is like 70%. You go through life. <laughs> you just deal with it, brother. You just wake up and go put one foot in front of the other. That's that's what you do. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's get in one more. <laughs> oh, we'll get in a sad one then. Uh, take it or leave it. The Dallas Cowboys are the most complete team in the NFL. Oh. Ooh. They actually looked really good, and I have to tip my cap to Mike McCarthy for for taking over the role of calling plays. Um, Most complete no, team, the 49ers? the 49ers. I was going to say 49ers. Yeah, yeah. Leave it. I I will say that it, it is week two, but very surprising maybe for the Cowboys. It is that de- that defense. I thought maybe when we watched them yes. play last week against the Giants, oh, the Giants just think they're not good. No, that defense is a re- is the real deal. Now, yes. granted, the the Jets' offensive line leaves leaves a lot to be desired as well. Yes. So maybe we are still going a little bit too far in terms of how how good they can be defensively. But I, I think they're a really good team, and you might see the old the NFC Championship game being. Uh, San Fran and Dallas, and which would be a throwback for me, which would be delightful. Be, it would. That was football. Yep. In the 90s. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rock, for the take it or leave it. And thank you, Carrie. And coming up next, we are going to have our fresh take. Will Mosaloc's current plan be enough to live up to their compete in 24 predictions? That's coming up next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. In terms of, of Ollie, I, you know, I do support him. I, I, I know he'll be back next year. Um, and I, I think the job he does is, is good. I mean, I really do. I, I think this year is tough. I think, you know, there's always going to be finger pointing on what went wrong, what could we have done differently, and, you know, that starts with myself. So, like, you know, we, we know when we look at, at 2024, things have to be different. And uh, But I'm certainly encouraged with what I see out of Ollie as a young manager. I think he's, you know, extremely well organized. I think he's prepared. And I do think he gets a lot out of his players. That was John Mosellock talking about Ali Marmol and his future for the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And, Brooke, we were talking about just the the mindset. Well, first of all, let's go back to that. Because, for me, I, I feel like we are maybe two months too late with that <laughs> conversation. It, and I'm serious, because I look yeah. at what, obviously— John Mosellek is the, the POBO, president of baseball operations. Mm-hmm. Steve Cohen came out, who is the, the owner of the New York Mets. He came out in July and talked about what was going on with their team. This is something, and it's not like the Cardinals have been outstanding really at any point this season, but have your, your, your lead, your, your face of your franchise come out and talk about where the organization is. I feel like this should have happened months ago. I feel he should have given Ali that, that vote of confidence months ago 
if that was the intention, if that was the plan. I don't know if you saw anything from June, July to September now where we are that gave you, oh, yeah, he can. he's the guy to stick around. I, you, you knew then what you know now. And so I think that's part of the frustration when we talk about Cardinals fans and, and the expectations and being told we're going to have this, we're going to get this, we're going to do this. And then the 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 expectations or the words not matching what we're told. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. I, I am happy to hear yes. that Ali Marmar will be back in 2024 and hopefully for the foreseeable future. I just wish it had been said months ago. And I know that around the all-star break, and it wasn't a big interview like this, because that's what you're talking about, yeah. is actually fully addressing the media as a yes. whole, as opposed to just one reporter. Because he did, to one yep. reporter, yep. state that Oliver Marmol, I believe it was The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal, and Katie Wu working on that article with John Mosellock, where he did state that he, you know, has confidence in Ollie moving forward. And that was even, you know, a while back. But actually but fully did he say addressing... But Was it as, as Yeah, he seemed to back Ollie and even mentioning, you know, that this is more, this is the roster that Ollie was handed. That was something that he has kind of said, but it was sporadically. It's more about addressing the entire media as a whole. And this is the first time that we've heard that. I think another thing that was interesting in that conversation and look like I get you know, that you can't do finger pointing sometimes during the season because people still have to finish out the season. You don't want to get them spooked where they're going to leave their job maybe earlier, which I know that they had an assistant hitting coach leave, but that supposedly was more about the opportunity at Ole Miss as the assistant hitting coach uh, for the softball team. And I, I think that that surprised a lot of people. And that was an interesting story, but it seems like that Mosaic is hinting that there's going to be more changes. I think the word though, that triggered or bothered a lot of people is when he said natural churn when it comes to the coaching staff. I don't think that's what people want to hear. That's what right. you're talking about with Steve Cohen where he was going out there saying this is unacceptable. Yes. He took fault, but he also said there are going to be other changes made. And that's the, the, the thing for me. When you are at the top of any business, any organization, any team, it is your responsibility if that team isn't performing well. If you're saying that Ali has done a great job, he just hasn't had the right pieces. Well, who who signs those people? Who who recruit? Who who goes out mm-hmm. and evaluates and and gets those people to sign to those contracts? If that's if Ali, if the person that is hired to coach these people hasn't had the right people to coach, then who is at fault? And when do those words get spoken? Yeah, that to me is the problem. It's accountability. That's the word I'm looking for. Accountability and saying, you know what? I didn't do good enough this year. Mm-hmm. I have to be better in my decision making and who I'm bringing in. I told you all we were going to have six starters. Mm, we really didn't have six starters. We've had like 10 starters at this point because <laughs> guys have gotten hurt. Guys haven't performed well. We had to trade a couple of them. It's been a lot of turnover yes. for this starting rotation. It's been turnover in the bullpen. It has not been consistent. And that the buck stops in one space. And you Mm -hmm. have to be able to say, I have to do better. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Because here's the thing. If you aren't taking full accountability and 
I, and look, like I said, maybe it's more of the cardinal way of things where you're not going to go and kind of, you know, exactly say, yeah, we're going to get rid of this whole coaching staff. We're going to redo all this. We're going to, you know what I mean? That's not very in line with how the Cardinals go about their business. But this has been such a different season in general that I think people are wanting to see more of that accountability because when somebody holds themselves accountable, then you can at least for, feel more comfortable. They aren't going to make those same mistakes moving forward because then they were able to recognize. And the thing with Ali Marmol, I know that that was a big topic on social media is basically Mo saying we're going to keep him around. Mm -hmm. My question to that is, is even if you did get rid of him, okay, this this offseason, what would change? Because the thing is, is then you're going to probably do the same thing that you have been doing. And I'm speaking about John Moselock and the Cardinals, where they're going to hire another manager who doesn't have managerial experience and will have to grow, learn that role, somebody with some Cardinals affiliation. And so getting rid of Ollie, I don't think actually leads to solving some of the issues that led us to this season. Uh, we got a text right here from the 314 that I'm going to answer. CD, please help me understand why you were excited to keep Ollie. What has he done that has impressed you this year? I will say that he has done the job that was given to him. Mm. If I'm told to do a specific job with specific people, I can only do what I am given. There is no fault at for him, in my opinion, if, if I'm giving guys that aren't able to play well, aren't able to be healthy, the pitching staff has not been great, and I have to go out there now. Were there times where I felt like maybe that was mismanaged or maybe we should have gone against the analytic rule book or playbook that they carry with them every single day? Yes. yes. But also, if your boss is telling you this is the analytic playbook that we're going to go by, then what are you supposed to do? You're, you're, you're essentially handcuffed in your role, and that to me, at times I feel like, yeah, there are some things – that if I'm the head coach, and I've said this before, any head coach that I know that has gotten fired from their position and get another job, they all say the same thing. If I'm going to get fired anyway, I'm going out on my own terms, meaning I'm going to do it my way despite of what management says or what management thinks. It, it, it I have to go about it my own way and be my own man and have my own conviction in every decision that I make. And I think Ali will has at some point – come around to that and made some decisions that I don't think analytically were agreed with, but end up being the right decision. You just have to be willing to make more of those decisions going forward. Yes. And that's the biggest thing is you saw what happened with the last manager, right? With how everything was handled with Mike Schilt. I think the perception is, is that whoever took that role, whether it was Ollie, whoever it was that came into that role, it was going to be somebody who was going to align with their beliefs philosophically, right? It was the philosophical differences that got rid of Mike Schilt. And I remember during that time that Mike Schilt was getting a lot more vocal about things that he needed, things that he felt were missing, including pitching and things like that. And so then that puts Ollie in a position when he's going into this season. What does he do in those situations, knowing that that's what he needs? But I will say that there is times, I think, early on this season where I think some things could have been handled a little bit more internally in the clubhouse rather than getting out. The Wilson Contreras situation is still something that I think haunted this team this season, the handling of that. And I know that there's a lot to that story, but the way that it was handled so so publicly, I felt like you already had the Cardinals f- struggling to find their footing to start the right. season, and then you had that happen, and it felt like that was just a cloud over the team for a while. It, it was a, a huge cloud. Mo talked about the expected changes to the staff. Are they from results or churn? Mo says churn. Mo, when you say you expect changes or possible changes to the major league staff, 
is that the natural churn that you've had in the past, or do you think some of that might be reflective of the standings and the team's performance? I think it's going to be mostly more just natural churn. Um, you, you know, I, I think we all have to agree, like, you know, this year happened, right? It's behind us. It's, it, it was not what we had hoped. It was not good. And so to do nothing, you know, regardless of, of how you think about the organizational structure, um, I, I do think we should be looking at different ways to solve our problems and, and our situation. So I just think all of those things are on the table. So when, when you ask that question, I really think it's just more baseball operations in general and not simply just major league staff. And that's the thing. The natural turn part is what bothers people. And kind of to your point, CD, is where, okay, obviously there's going to be changes made. I don't think people want to hear natural churn because that doesn't sound like you're addressing the certain problems that we've seen. We've seen the pitching this season. The starting rotation did not perform well. Just the pitching staff in general, the bullpen imploding, and the way that I think that affected this offense too, because when you're already you know, down in a game and then your offense has to try to find a way to claw back, and then even sometimes when they did, then your bullpen blows the game, that really, I think, mentally can wear on a team, and I feel like that's exactly what happened this season. So it was a strategic mistake for them not to get some more pitching depth going into the season, something that they can't do again. I think the biggest thing for me is that with Ollie Marmol and this staff if moving forward if they are going to make some changes with the coaching staff and also you're going to add the pitching then it really is on Ollie yep. next season because then there's no excuses then because then he's going to get the proper pitching staff which he should have had this season and if he's getting that next year then it's going to be even more of a spotlight on Ollie. We'll come back with more of this at 9 o'clock during our uh, Rush Hour Reset. Coming up next, we got the voice of the blues, our great friend, Chris Kerber. He'll be joining us on the Celebrity Line talking a little blues hockey. That's next on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. Randy Carricker with the day off, but we are going to go to our celebrity line now to talk to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Chris, how are you doing today? Brooke, I'm doing good. How are you? I, I don't know why I called you Chris, because I, 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 I haven't done that in so long. I was so confused. I've known you for an eternity, so and for some reason, I went full anchorman and just said Chris like that, but you're Curbs. You're always Curbs. That's yeah, all I know you as. That's, that's, <laughs> listen, that's that's perfectly okay, because that was the name I was given. Okay. There so you I'm, go. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's the, one, the weird one is every now and then I get like, like, like I'll get an email from someone in the office or something like that, and it says, "Hey, Kerber," and I'm like, "Man, that just sounds weird to me." Like, <laughs> like use the nickname, use my first name. Like, I'm actually, I'm actually a a first name person. Like, you know, and, until you know somebody well enough, like I mean, that that nicknames work. That's one thing, but uh, so I'm okay. I'm okay with the first name. I respond to that too. I know. I, I always will. You're always Curbs in my book. So Curbs, of course, we had to ask you about finally, finally hockey getting ramped up here. The Blues opening training camp this Thursday with 59 players on the roster. How does it feel to just get back to the season and finally just turn that page of what we saw last year? Yeah, it'll be good. You know, you know, there's we had a chance to sit down with Blues general manager Doug Armstrong in the middle of last week. And he referred to the fact that the week or this off season has felt so much longer. And, and he loved the quote he gave, you know, where he, he talked about, 
it, it's amazing how different just the two weeks of maybe making the playoffs and losing in the first round versus not making the playoffs feels. But in this case, it has felt that much longer because the Blues knew that they were out of the playoffs longer, right? You felt like, like, like the season ended a long time. Like if you're a Cardinal fan right now, you feel like the season ended. And even though you have some storylines you're going to follow and some things like that. So um, with nothing on the line, it made it for a longer postseason. So people are really looking forward to gearing up. And I'll tell you what, like I was at Bush Stadium Friday night for, uh, for their Blues night at the ballpark. They, they sold like over 5,000 tickets for their Blues theme night giveaway that they had. Uh, the, the jersey giveaway that they did was just awesome. And, uh, and, and the crowd was, was terrific and, and into it. And, man, the number of people that were just saying, I'm geared up, I'm geeked up for hockey, got me really pumped up for this week and the start of camp. Curves, are other than the obvious names that we know will make the roster, is there anyone in particular that you're looking at that may be a surprise uh, in this training camp? Well, I think uh, the two – so, so – Here's here's a few that I'm that I'm going to look for, and some might be fit in the obvious ones, Kerry. But uh, you know, with Tory Krug, you know, out until October first, and I don't anticipate that being much longer than that, to be honest with you. Um, but it is going to open up maybe in a couple preseason games a little more room for Scott Perunovich, who has to be a puck moving player for the Blues. So I'm I'm curious to see how Scotty looks here in the early going. Keeping it on the defensive side, Tyler Tucker. That's that to me. This team needs some of Tyler Tucker's um, the size, cause some of his grit in there. So watching how he performs in camp to me on the defensive side is going to be, I think, real critical. On, on the offensive side of things, or the forward side of things, we've heard a lot about Zach Dean and that trade of Ivan Barbashev to Las Vegas, bringing Zach Dean over. Now remember, when, when the Blues traded Tarasenko, when they traded Ryan O'Reilly, they got first-round draft picks. They got a first-round draft pick when they traded Ivan Barbashev. It was just in the form of a player that was drafted two years earlier by Vegas and Zach Dean. So what Doug Armstrong did by doing that is instead of drafting a player this year that you may not see impact the roster or even turn pro for two, maybe three years, now he got a player that's turning pro this year. And you hear a lot about his character, his attitude, his uh his, his ability to play a two-way game, his responsibility. And I don't know if it's at a level yet because, honestly, I haven't seen him. So when I say this, I'm not saying he's not going to make the roster. I'm just saying I don't know if it's at a level yet of what impact he'll have on the roster. But I'm looking forward to seeing that player uh, that that the Blues were very uh, high on when they got him in that trade. So that – and then, then the PTO that they just signed, you know, to round it out, Kerry, you know, and Nick Ritchie, a big body – a heavy body, uh, a player that can, you know, that scored 13 goals and 26 points last season between two teams. For whatever reason, a flat salary cap, uh, whatever the, the the story may be, you know, for a player that I believe is what 27. I, I I just think that this is an interesting PTO that can really change it. If he makes the Blues squad on a, on a fourth line aspect and has a good camp, he is a prototypical Craig Berube kind of player. And when all of a sudden you think of whether it's an Oscar Sundquist and Alexi Toropchenko uh, and, and, and a Nick Ritchie potentially on a fourth-line scenario, whatever it may be, man, they could have some size on that 
on that bottom half of the roster. So that that's a big one I'm looking forward to. Curbs, I know that we've talked about it a lot this offseason, but with camp ramping up, of course I have to ask you again because until it's answered, I think it's going to be something on a lot of people's minds, especially Blues fans, is who will be the captain for the Blues going into the season? How long do you think it will take them to name that person? Yeah, I don't think it'll take them too long if they're going to name one. And the reason I say that is, one, I don't feel that, that Doug feels in a hurry to do it, but you know, you, you go through last season and, and then when you hear from Doug and you hear from Craig about uh, just where they're at going into this year and that theme of we did, just didn't come together as a team early enough uh, was such a big theme at the end of the year in the postgame pressers. And I still believe it is a theme in talking to these guys and not just the coaches and the players. What, what I, I just think to me, I get the sense, and I, and I believe with a, with a coach like Craig Berube, who, who actually can be very adjusting in, in, in his style. I mean, look, I've seen more players, more young players become impactful NHL players with Craig Berube as the head coach than I have seen with any other head coach that has been with the St. Louis Blues in the time that I've been here. And that's not a small thing there. And you've had some pretty – you've had Hall of Fame coaches here. In, in Quenville and, and in and in Hitchcock. But Craig Berube's got that ability. And I think, though, with some of his hard-nosed style, one person that knows how to handle him, work with him, and, and, and can be that liaison. And, and he referenced something like, you want to – when it comes to the captain, sometimes it gets overrated, but it ends up being a mess if you have the wrong one. But eventually you need a captain, and he's never coached a team, by the way, that does not have a someone named captain. You, you got to have somebody that you can go to in the right times. And, and he, he told us that look, with with Alex Petrangelo, for example, you know, it got to the point sometimes Barubia come down the hallway and Alex could just stop him and say, "No, we got it, we got it." And he said, "That's what you're looking for." Well, I don't see necessarily a really young player doing that. I see somebody like Braden Chen doing that. But I also, if you read the tea leaves, believe that based on what Doug Armstrong said at the end of last season. I think that he wants to make sure that the younger players really have a leadership role or have a voice, uh, a generational voice, for lack of a better way of putting it. Remember, somebody that can relate, as Doug was talking to. So whether it's one guy, I I think it it wouldn't blow my mind to see the Blues go the co-captain route, maybe one on the road, one on the home, bring somebody along. Um, I I would think that that's more likely than the no-captain route. But I don't know. And, and, heck, maybe it's sooner than later. Maybe they do within the first few days of camp. Uh, but I, I don't anticipate that topic in and of itself dragging out long. Just real quick before we let you go, obviously a big story this past weekend coming out in the NHL. Babcock resigning after the podcast. Spitting Chicklets brought to light some of the things that made some of his players uncomfortable, including younger players talking about wanting to see their phone and what pictures they had to see what kind of person they were. Just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, this is a this is a crazy story. And if you followed the demise of Mike Babcock after his coaching stint in Toronto, um, he wound up being a player that really, or a coach that really kind of, you know, leaned on the mental warfare side of coaching for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, I mean, benching veteran players in winter classics, uh, you know, not playing a player in his hometown, you know, towards the end of his career. So just weird things like that. 
and then sort of some other stuff. Well, if for those that haven't followed this story, having apparently gone through, you know, a bit of a rehabilitation and image rehabilitation as well, the blue jackets hired him. It was a bit of a controversial hire. Well, he pulls his players in and as part of the quote unquote, get to know you party says, Hey, well, let's, let's see some of the pictures on your phone. And you know, I guess it seems kind of harmless, but in today's world, especially with the way things are phone, you're like, eh, that also can seem kind of creepy, can it? And mm-hmm. I don't know whether, I don't know whether there was any nefarious part of this. Aaron Portsline, I thought, wrote a terrific article on this on the, on the Athletic that, that posted yesterday or today. But it's, it's one of those scenarios where Mike Babcock resigns because he doesn't want to be the distraction. Some players, clearly through the NHLPA investigation, were highly uncomfortable with this. Was it an invasion of privacy? Is it going too far? Is it is it truly a get to know you tactic? I don't know, but the Blue Jackets are now left where they went with the associate coach on a two year contract. This is after more signings and trying to turn that franchise and get that franchise relevant year in year out, and it just hasn't happened much since they came into the National Hockey League twenty four years ago, and. Uh, and quite a shocking development here. And in the end, they may have saved some embarrassment uh, long-term because if this was the beginning of something else, of, of more of what Mike, Mike Babcock did before, then this was going to be inevitable anyway. And so uh, quite, quite an interesting story developed out of there in Columbus where a guy hired in the offseason, resigns before the start of the season, literally the week the training camp opens up. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of drama and stuff happening there, but it seems like it could be the right move, especially in this day and age. We talk so much about how the NHL needs to relate to their younger players and athletes. So thank you so much for joining us, Curbs. You see, I didn't call you Chris there. Curbs. That was impressive. Chris, Cur- <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. And we're looking forward to training camp this week. Yeah, so am I. Hey, I got one quick question for you off the hockey world. Yes. All right. In, in your time with Channel Four, you probably had some contacts with with Misha, Missouri State, you know, High School Athletic yes. Association. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I have a question for. I have a question, and I don't know if you, you can help reach out, but I'm going to try and reach out myself. I was talking to a volleyball referee in in, in high school. In high school volleyball, uh, parents help do the lines, right? Help be line judges and stuff. Well, at the JV level. And the young, and over, I was talking to before a varsity game. Is, uh, it's like I think volleyball might be one of the only sports where you have an up ref and a down ref. You need two referees, but at the JV level, they only have one. Hmm. And then you wait to start the high school game until the JV ref comes over and helps out. And I kind of want to find out why that is. Is it a budget reason? Or is it what? But it, it's the only right now. So like it's it's one of the only lower level high school sports. Where like like I know you've got two refs in basketball. I know you got enough refs in football. So Curbs, I know in, they've got the lines guys in soccer. In football, uh, JV and freshmen only have three refs. In our varsity games, oh. they have five. So okay, so they do. Yeah. So this is this is what this is what was going is. So I've been talking with some other people. We we really just across the board have to do a much better job of making sure that as parents, as coaches, as everything, we do our can to, to protect young refs and stuff that yes. want to kind of yes. do that as a job because because those are the ones that become the older refs that help the kids get through high school sports and stuff. And it, I think it's a focus that we can just continue to work on. But it was a great conversation I had with the guy. And, Kerry, that, I mean, that, that backs it up that, that we, we need to keep doing what we can to, to bring more refs into the fold. 
I agree. I, I totally agree. I, I know that I did a story in the past with Misha about how they were struggling to find refs for many different reasons. Yeah. Um, one of those being what you just mentioned is making sure that it's an environment where they can thrive in. Yeah, that's it. It really is the key that uh, to 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 bring these kids and like when you've got when you've got fourteen, fifteen, uh, thirteen year olds that actually are helping ref CUIC soccer and stuff. You've got to as parents make an environment that that brings kind of that love of being able to help out available because those are the ones that will help make sure that say seven, ten years down the road we've got enough refs for high school sports. It's 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 an issue that we got to stay focused on. All right. Thank you so much, Curbs, for joining us. And like I said, we're looking forward to training camp this week and the blue season getting started. Let's get it rolling. See you (laughs) guys at the rink. Appreciate it. All right. That was Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, a.k.a. Curbs. And we'll call him all those things. Christopher. Chris Christopher Curbs. There we go. And we need a fighter to take on Carrie Davis today. Right? Yes, all right, Carrie. Have fun with this one. Oh, thanks. Oh, why would you say that to him? He's he stirring the pot. That. That's why, he is and that's stirring why the pot. I do when I get my chance. There you go. All right. Kerry <laughs> Davis in the fight coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio. We had some uh, controversy going on a little bit early on. If you text in to do the fight, just make sure that you are ready to answer your phone. That is always the biggest thing. Rock just had to go through, what was it, two number attempts? Four. Four. Four number attempts. So if, 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 you, if you say, hey, text me, I'm waiting for the fight. Just, just you know, if you see a phone call immediately after texting in, I don't know, put two and, <laughs> put two, and two together. We, it was it was a lot. I, poor Brock was like sweating over there. But either way, we were able to get Brad. Brad, so thank you Brad. so much for answering the phone. Brad, you're just you're a great human. Thank you so much. Yeah, I saw the three one four, so I picked it up. There you go. There you go. All Here's right. The thing. Sometimes, sometimes it might not come in as three one four. I'm just saying, you text in, be ready to answer that phone call. Exactly. And Brad was ready to answer the call. So thank you so much for joining us. You ready to take on Kerry Davis in the fight? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number one. Jared Goff's streak without an interception ends after 383 consecutive attempts. Goff had the third most pass attempts without an interception in NFL history. Who holds the record? Is it Chad Pennington? Aaron Rodgers. Oh. All right. Well, well, Aaron Rodgers. Well, well, well. Brad is ready Brad for this fight. ready to go. All right. Which team has the largest point differential? Excuse me for a moment. <coughs> My apologies for that. I'm still getting over a little bit of a cold and a cough. Well, and also that uh, really stressed you out, too. Everybody stressed rock out before that. hacking for a second there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that, Brad. Number two, which team has the largest point differential in NFL history? Is it the 2000 Ravens, the 2007 Patriots, or the 1999 Rams? Oh, the Rams. Uh, let's go with... 
Let's go with the greatest show on turf. Yeah, let's go with the Rams. Which wide receiver holds the rookie record for receiving yards in the Super Bowl era? Is it Calvin Johnson, Jamar Chase, or Justin Jefferson? Give me the question one more time. Which wide receiver holds the rookie record for receiving yards in the Super Bowl era? Calvin Johnson, Jamar Chase, or Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson. Since the reforming of NFL divisions in 2002, how many times have the Browns won the AFC North? Zero, once, or twice? Zero. All right, we'll double check our score. And we'll bring in Kerry Davis. Brad, how are you feeling? No, not not great, but not too bad. I don't know, 50-50. There you go. Well, I mean, 50-50 could be well enough to possibly win the fight today. But we do appreciate you actually answering the phone. That was a, that was a pretty big controversy going into this one. And here comes Kerry Davis with his giant jug of water and coffee. Kerry, say hi to Brad. Hi, Brad. How are hey, you? Hey, good morning, Kerry. We're very excited because Brad answered the phone. That oh. that was a that was a big thing this Did morning. Did we have a few people that didn't pick up? Yeah, oh. uh, four. <laughs> four. Four. Four people. Uh, Rock was sweating in here. You would you would have gotten a kick out of that Kerry, one. How, how do you text a show? Hey, call me. And then when your phone rings, go. Hey, uh, I know that number. Who is this? A bill collector? Yeah, right. What are you doing? Come on. You ready to take on Brad? I'm ready. Okay, we'll get started with question number one. Jared Goff's streak without an interception ends after 383 consecutive attempts. Goff had the third most pass attempts without an interception in NFL history. Who holds the record? Uh, I just saw this. It was Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and then someone else, and then Tom Brady again. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Someone else was golf. That's that's oh. that was the question. Well, maybe that. No, it was someone. Yeah, yeah maybe that foot it was. You listed oh. three people. You okay, said Rob. blank, that's blank, it. and then someone else. Well, did I, Aaron Rodgers. Final answer. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Kerry, uh, which team? Which team in NFL history has the largest point differential for a season in NFL history? Oh, which team? Mm-hmm. You need a year. Yes, I do. Holy sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> that was a close one there. Sugar, oh, it worked oh. out. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, give me, let me get the options. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, is it the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, the 2007 New England Patriots, or the 1999 St. Louis Rams? Ooh. 2007, which one is it? 2007 New England Patriots. That was a, uh, defensively. It's not the Ravens because they didn't score a lot. Um... The Rams did score a lot, but did they give up a lot of points? They gave, they had the most. Uh, let's go with the Rams. Let's go with the Rams, 99. All right. Which wide receiver holds the rookie record for receiving yards in the Super Bowl era? Oh, which wide receiver? Rookie wide receiver? Rookie record, oh, yes. Oh, that is terrible. That's a <laughs> terrible question. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even. I'm blanking on rookie wide receivers in the Super Bowl. Oh, man. Come on. Rookie Not wide receiver. in the re- Super Bowl game. It's oh, a, I'm saying in the Super have, Bowl. They have they, the record for the most yards as a, a rookie receiver a, okay. in the Super Bowl era. Oh, well, that changes it's things. It's a little, little okay. tricky, tricky, huh? Rookie wide receiver in the Super Bowl era. Most yards in a season. 
Uh, you gotta go with Justin Jefferson, don't you? Randy Moss, Justin Do Jefferson. You? Justin Jefferson has got everything. Why are you messing with let's him go with Justin right Jefferson. now? He's I'm just like so much. Let's go, let's go, let's go Justin is, Jefferson. He's just mad because he got all flustered with the phone call thing. He's taking it out on you. That's him. not fair. Good for him. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> Too focused on talking crap to even realize he needs to do the fourth question. Of NFL divisions in 2002. How many times have the Browns won the AFC North? Oh, that'd be settled. I wrote this just for you. It gotta be zero. I mean, they've had 28 quarterbacks since then. <laughs> they won. They went to one playoff that I know about, and that was in 20. Well, they went to two, but one in 20 in 07 with Derek Anderson as their quarterback. But they didn't win the division that year because we did. <laughs> I think. Let's go zero. All right. We have a tie in today's Ooh. fight. A 2-2 tie between Brad and Kerry Davis. So let's go to our tiebreaker. And, of course, the rules here are simple. I'm going to read out the question. We will give Kerry a moment to write down his answer. Then we will get Brad's answer audibly. And then we will say what Kerry Davis guessed. And it is whoever is closest to the pin is the winner of today's fight. Brad, do you understand those rules? Got it, man. Kerry, do you have a pen and paper? I do. All right. Aaron Rodgers does, in fact, hold the record for the most passes in NFL history without an interception. How many consecutive pass attempts did he go without tossing a pick back in 2018? By the way, Jared Goff's record is 383. Aaron Rodgers holds the record. How many pass attempts consecutively did Aaron Rodgers back in 2018 (laughs) go without throwing an interception? How many pass attempts? He's first. Goff is third. Kerry Davis, do you have okay. a guess written down for me? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Let's look at it. Wait. Uh, okay. So Let me be- see. Wait. Okay. Got it. Okay. Is that this number? Yes. Okay. Got it. Um, Brad, what is your guess, sir? 405 passes. Get Woo! the heck out of here. <laughs> Kerry Davis, what was your guess? 404. Wow. <laughs> That's a close well, one. We got a winner. <laughs> it's a close one. Does Kerry Davis win a fight today? The record not been great for Kerry Davis over his last few fight attempts. Don't hate Rob. Does he stop? Brad from a win, or does Brad come back tomorrow? Does he get two steps onto that three-step path to Hall of Famer off of Kerry Davis? Well, he's got to get day one. Did he do it? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town, why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Kerry Davis, Aaron Rodgers, his NFL record is 402 (gasps) pass attempts. I'm sorry. He just got you, Brad. If it's 406, you win. If it's anything more than 405, you win. But Kerry just gets it 404. He was two off. You were three off. So I'm sorry you do not win the fight today. 
No big deal. Thanks, Gary. Good, Good job. job, Brett. Great job today from Brad. Let's go through those questions. Jared Goff streak again. It is third behind Aaron Rodgers, 383. And Aaron Rodgers again holds that record. Which team has the largest point differential in NFL history? It is, in fact, the team that did not win the Super Bowl. The 2007 Patriots, <sighs> the largest regular season uh, point differential in NFL history. Bill Belichick's defense wasn't slacking that much. Which wide receiver holds the rookie record for receiving yards in the Super Bowl era? It was former LSU receiver Justin Jefferson with 1,400 even, but then Jamar Chase came along the next year and topped it by 93 yards with 1,493. Jamar Chase <laughs> Jamar Chase is the leader in receiving yards in the Super Bowl era for a rookie receiver. And since the reforming of the NFL divisions in 2002, despite two playoff appearances, the Cleveland Browns have in fact won the AFC North. Goose egg, zero. Zero. Not wow. a times since the NFL changed fight. divisions in 02. A 2-2 tie and then a one pass attempt win for Kerry Davis. 404 to 405 were the guesses. What a fight today, Brad. You gave Kerry quite the run for his money. You made him sweat a little bit, and we appreciate that. <laughs> hey, thanks. Have a good day, guys. You as well. Bro. All right. That was fun. Thank that you was. to Brad for answering the phone and joining us. And thank you, Rock, for helping with the fight. All right, coming up next, we have a very quick bird watch. Very, very quick. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And it is time for our bird watch. Oh, huh. Can I get a bird, please? Oh, did you need a splat? I mean, is a splat. You want me to go first? You go first. A, we're yeah, gonna we're making rock we'll work for this we'll in this morning. Splat. There you go. So my <laughs> bird dropping is going to be Tyler O'Neill. We discussed it earlier in the show. But, guys, it's likely that Tyler O'Neill's season is over with. He was placed on the injured list on Sunday because of a sprained right foot. It has been just Injury after injury after injury with Tyler O'Neill. He's only played in 72 games for the Cardinals this season. Where do you go from here from with him? Because the injuries, it, it, it's it, it's one thing and then it's another thing. I don't even know how you can look past some of that. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad when I see players constantly injured because you know that they we work so hard yes. in the offseason to be healthy, to be able to play an entire season, 162 games, 17 games in the NFL, 82 in basketball. It, you work your butt off the entire offseason to be able to withstand an entire uh, regular season and then playoffs and then to continuously have to deal with these ailments that, that Tyler O'Neill does. It's got to be frustrating for him. And, and then it becomes kind of psychological. You start yes. thinking about – When's the next thing going to happen? When's the next shoe going to drop? How am I going to get hurt this time? And what's going to happen now? What next? Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that that's where we are and that's where he is uh, individually as a player. He's an outstanding baseball player when healthy. But if you have to put when healthy behind a comment, then it it really doesn't hold up. It's going to you know, it's going to happen at some point. And unfortunately for him. Because, you know, he, I know he wants to get paid at some point. I know he wants to play well for himself. He wants to win championships. That's what we all play the game for, to be paid, to win, win championships, and, and to be one of the best to play the game. And when he's healthy, he is. Yes. It's just 
the inability for whatever reason to stay healthy. And I know just watching it is frustrating for me to see. It is. And it's just that availability needs to happen. And it's crazy because he even trained his on, he changed his offseason program so he would be able to play more games this season. Mm-hmm. And it seems like more issues arise for him or showed up. It just it was one thing after another with him. And so now this offseason, you try to move him, I guess. Maybe a change of scenery is something that helps. Will they get much in return? Probably not. Yeah. And that's going to be tough for the Cardinals to swallow. But either way, I think it might be time to possibly move on from that situation. Yeah, you have to be realistic in, in your expectations of what you're going to get in return. Now, when the trade deadline ended and he started playing in the way, in the manner in which he did, I think everyone was saying, whew, this is, this is the Tyler O'Neill we expected. Exactly. And, and you were excited to see him. But again, it, it doesn't last long with him. It, it just ends up for some reason somehow – he in, ends up back on the injured list, and it's frustrating for everyone. Yes. Thank you, Rock. Oh, yeah. I, I, my bird watch is mm-hmm. one Jordan Walker. We talked about him earlier in the segment, in the in the show, and talked about his ability to play the field. He he's hitting the ball well. Made an outstanding play in the first inning to make a diving catch on a a ball hit by Kyle Schwarber, and then to hit the go ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth inning to put the Cardinals ahead for good. That, to me, is a young man that is coming into form, figuring things out, enjoying the game of baseball, and we are going to be better for it because he's mm-hmm. going to be in a Cardinal uniform for a long time. I hope that the Cardinals make the decision, kind of what the Braves have done, and start paying some of these young guys early. Mace, earlier. Mason Wynn, you know, he's struggled at the plate, but I think he's going to figure that out, get some more at-bats, get some more time. Maybe this this offseason feel a little bit more comfortable when we go into spring training, and mm-hmm. he'll be better. But I hope that the Cardinals do take a page out of what the Braves have done and start locking up some of these young players earlier so that they don't get to free agency, they yes. don't have to go to arbitration, and they don't have to hear all of the <laughs> terrible things that the team thinks about them, and it ruins their, their psyche pres- going yes, forward. Yeah, because we've seen how, and look, arbitration is never fun, and I think that some players understand. You definitely have to understand it's a business at the end of the day. But we've also seen where arbitration has really soured, not just with the Cardinals, but with other players. After dealing with that, it's hard for them to change that mindset going back and playing for the team after hearing kind of statistically or even how they view them moving forward within the organization. But with Jordan Walker, it's so encouraging. And to me, I think that this is another reason why it kind of took Jordan Walker a little while to get settled in. I think that that's also going to be something that you have to wait with Mason Wynn, too is he's going to get more comfortable. He's going to get more confident out there. Look at Jordan Walker now. That should be encouraging for Mason Wynn moving forward. With those two together, and then you add Tink Hintz next season possibly, that's a good young core. I agree. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we got the Rush Hour Reset. Mosellock said that Ali is good for 2024. We had some thoughts about it on the good old text line. If you want to text in, get your thoughts in. Text in 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In terms of, of Ollie, I, you know, I do support him. I, I, I know he'll be back next year. Um, and I, I think the job he does is... is Good. I mean, I really do. I, I think this year is tough. I think, you know, there's always going to be finger pointing on what went wrong, what could we have done differently, and, you know, that starts with myself. So, like, you know, we, we know when we look at, at 2024, things have to be different. And uh, But I'm certainly encouraged with what I see out of Ollie as a young manager. I think he's extremely well organized. I think he's prepared. 
and I do think he gets a lot out of his players. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio here in studio. No Randy Carricker today or tomorrow. And that was the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals, John Mosellock, and his comments coming this past weekend, kind of discussing everything that we've seen this season. And you mentioned it earlier, Kerry, and I think it's very important that we hear him address all the media members because yeah. there's times that he has kind of said similar things earlier on this season, but it was to just certain reporters. But to to actually address the media head on, I think is very important. Now, the natural churn portion of that conversation is something that I think is kind of churning some of the anger and hate towards people because it's not exactly fully what you want to hear. I do like I hear him say something about holding himself accountable because yeah. roster construction, as we've all seen this season, was not good. Not getting more pitching depth was a huge strategic mistake for John Mosellock and the Cardinals organization going into the season because we saw how much starting pitching affected this team and how that also played into the bullpen this season, too. But how do you guys feel after hearing that, that he's saying he's standing beside Ali Marmol? I know that there we're already getting texts on the text line where people are pretty heated by that. What is your takeaway specifically on the Ollie portion of what he said? Well, I, I, I'm, I am in agreement with him, and I do like the fact I didn't hear it the first time, but I do like the fact that he said it starts with me because it does. The text line is, is fired up. Fire Ollie. He isn't a he isn't a, a leader. He isn't uh, the man for the job. He's not the person that should be uh, being the manager of this organization. And I couldn't disagree more. I think when I look at what Ollie has done this season, okay, he called out Tyler O'Neill for not running the bases full throttle as he should have in the moment when he got thrown out at home plate. Is that not a leader? Is that not a man that that you want to hold everyone accountable, including yourself? He talked about Wilson Contreras and him not being the catcher, and he should be. He's not going to be the catcher for the foreseeable future. What happened? Well, guess what? The the, the person that signs the checks, in my opinion, said, "Hey, guess what? He's going to do. He's going to catch." I know you. You all figure it out because we're paying him X number of dollars to be the catcher, not to be a DH. Damn sure not to be an outfielder. So let's put him back at catcher, like we talked about when we signed him in the offseason. When I decided to pay this money, that's how I think that conversation went. Again. That's a leader making a decision that is best for his team because at that moment, they didn't feel like Wilson Contreras was the best. Now, did anyone come out and say that? No, because no one's going to throw anyone under the bus. But if you can read in between the lines, you know, and you've been around sports and you understand how money works and how people that are getting paid when that works, that's how generally how it goes. So for me, I'm looking at this situation and I say, I think Ali has done a fantastic job with what he has been given. If you aren't allowed to, if you aren't given the, the the best players or the best pieces to put together and put them out on the field, what are you supposed to do? My The one issue that I had, and I said it earlier, was the inconsistency in the lineup. That, to me, was frustrating. When guys mm-hmm. don't know where they're going to be, when they don't know where they're going to line up, when they don't know uh, where they're going to be batting from day to day, that, to me, is, a, is an issue. Mm-hmm. Because one thing, we are, are creatures of habit. We want to make sure we know every single day where we're going, where we're going to be. And when there's inconsistency in that manner, it can lead to trouble. And I think that caused a lot of issues, particularly with the lineup and particularly with uh, with guys not having those timely hits. The pitching? Eh, who, who do you blame for that? Because every fifth day, a certain person is going to start. And so either they're going to start or you're going to have someone else to start in front of them. 
who's that going to be if there's no one to replace them? Yeah, I think that has gotten a lot of people fired up with it. And I've seen the comments just rolling in now. Now, here's here's a couple of things. And I've been saying this all season. Roster construction was the biggest issue. So that is good to hear John Mosaic take accountability for that. And hopefully he can even show more accountability with the moves that he makes this offseason of going out and actually getting pitching because not having that pitching depth is something that greatly affected the team this season. Now, the next point being when it comes to all your Now, the fundamentals, what we've seen this season, that dropping off, I think, is a big reason why people might feel a certain way towards the manager and the coaching staff, because when your fundamentals are not sound and we saw the season that happened many times, who are you looking to? Yes, the players are underperforming in a lot of different areas, but when the fundamentals are not there, then people look to what, regardless of whatever sport it is, they're looking to the coaches or the manager and saying, what are you not doing in preparation for that? Now, I know that Ollie does do a lot of preparation and his coaching staff behind the scenes but I think the perception is is that those are more kind of like an analytical approach to things instead of seeing just kind of the feel for the game and I know we're getting a lot of comments coming in kind of in regards to that I think the Wilson Contreras situation too I wish would have been handled better and that is not on Ollie alone that is on the organization as a whole because to make Wilson a scapegoat for the situation what it felt like for this pitching staff I I don't care who it was behind the plate. The pitching staff was not set up well enough to execute this season. And I think that that was clear as day. I agree. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually responding to a text. Does Kerry even watch any of the games? Yeah, I do. I watched the pitchers mislocation. Mis- mislocation. I saw the hitters not hit in timely situations. I saw fielders not feel the ball. I've seen the bullpen blow too many saves. How is that on the manager? If those are the players that I have to put in those positions, what do you want me to do? If the players that I coach up and that we work hard and do all of our our, our training, our teaching, our explaining, <clears throat> all the things leading up to a game, if I put you in the right position and you don't perform in that position, you blame me? Yeah. That's my fault? Yeah. It, it is on the players on the field. Now, if I put you in a bad situation, if I tell you, yeah, we want to throw a curveball in this situation and you put it in the right spot and he knocks it over the fence, well, then, yeah, that's my fault. But when I see Wilson Contreras literally with his butt on the ground and his glove hitting the dirt, telling the pitcher to hit the dirt and the pitcher leaves it up and Sable hits it over the fence. How in the hell is that on the manager? Mm-hmm. It's on the player not performing in that moment, and they are paid to perform in that moment. And too many times this season, they have not done that. Yes, they they have underperformed. Fundamentals, like I said, is a big thing where I think you do look at the coaching staff. And maybe that's what John Mosellock is hinting at when he's talking about the natural churn that you'll see with the coaching staff this offseason. Don't forget that Skip was a part of this this dugout that we had. And then obviously he moved on to the Marlins. And you're supposed to have Matt Holiday as your bench coach. So losing that, I think, did a lot of things. Then you also had the other experience exit amongst the coaching staff. I think that that all played into this this season. Now, here's the thing. I think getting rid of Ali Marmal does not solve the big issue at hand here because this was a roster construction issue. But here's the other part, and I made this point earlier. Even getting rid of him, what are you going to do? Bring in another manager, first-year manager, and then hope that he figures it out? Somebody who has that Cardinals. And that almost sounds like it's too hard to find that person that has that Cardinals experience and it will be their first time managing because that's what they've done with essentially the past three hires. And 
I know that this season, regardless of whoever was managing, everybody be looking at the coaching staff. But they also will be looking at the organization, too. And John Moselock mentioned that, that they are under a microscope right now for their decisions that they're going to make in the yes. offseason because there was a lot of stuff that was overlooked going into this season that led to this point. From a whole organizational standpoint, this was not just a one-off season. There was a lot of things that led into this. And and, and then I will say this because there are a lot of – we're getting a lot of texts because people people love to fire Ali Marmol. Leaders do matter. Coaches do matter. Managers do matter. But I am, I am saying – I am saying that because of what the team has done, the players have done, I am more concerned with – the players and their inability, this notion that, that coaches stand up on a podium every single day and and give this win one for the Gipper speech is not <laughs> real, man. It doesn't happen. These are professional players who are paid to play, and the p- professional players have not played up to their standard all single year. And so the notion that you need to have a manager, oh, you guys got to go harder, you got to... Every single man in that clubhouse knows what they have done or what they have not done, what they need to do better and what they haven't done well at all all season long. And so for the 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 fans to feel like the, we need a manager that's going to lead them. No, you need a manager that is going to put people in the right position, coach them up well, and then the players go do their job. And if the players don't do their job, you do not win games. Sports ain't about coaches. I don't give a damn what you think. It's not about coaches. It's about the player. It ain't about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and Joes. If the Jimmys and Joes ain't good enough, you ain't going to win. It doesn't matter what you think. So, yeah. And, and at some point, if the coaches aren't performing and the players aren't performing, coaches get fired every single day, every single year. Yes. At some point, if this is the same way for next year, Ali Marmol will be looking for a new job potentially. But to say it's solely on the coach or the manager in this situation, nah, I don't, I, I can't agree with that. Well, this is being a very heated topic. A lot of people texting in. So we're going to get to the text line coming up next on 101 ESPN. You can text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Why don't you text in and say what changes you think should happen yeah, for the Cardinals coach. during the offseason, whether it's coaching staff-wise, what, el- what else they'll need to add. Text in and We'll go over that coming up next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think it's going to be mostly more just natural churn. Um, you, you know, I, I think we all have to agree, like, you know, this year happened, right? It's behind us. It's, it was not what we had hoped. It was not good. And so to do nothing, you know, regardless of, of how you think about the organizational structure. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis. And Carrie is getting the text line fired up right now. Make sure you can text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. For your take on what you just heard there with the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals, John Moselog, talking about his confidence in Ali Marmol and also the natural churn that is going to be happening with the Cardinals coaching staff this offseason. You hear 
him in parts take accountability himself for what happened. And we've heard that from him a little bit this season, too, saying that this is the roster that Ollie was handed and he thinks that he has done a good job this season. And Carrie, you're standing with those comments, too, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the the Cardinals and what they've done this year, it is um, I don't think you can place it solely on the manager because of the performance of the players. It has not been to the standard of St. Louis Cardinal baseball all season long. And when you're looking at at you get frustrated. So so we had people, Lisa, who we love on the text line says she talked about the blues. The blues stunk last year, didn't they? Were they were they were they great last year? No, they were not good last they year. They had a they had a team that struggled. So should Craig Berube have been fired because the players didn't perform well enough? That was on them. They didn't perform well enough. Now you'll say, well, Craig Berube has won a championship. Yeah, Ali Marmol went ninety three and sixty nine last year. So what changed? What changed from that last year's team to this year's team? The players changed. The rules change. Well, some of the players are still around. Some of them a, are. Yeah. And then some of them, some of them, well, that's what I'm saying. The players, they haven't performed to that level. Yeah. You lost Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. You lost Albert Pujols. You still you lost Jose Quintana. But for the most part, this is the same team that they had last year. No one expected Albert Pujols to hit home runs like he did. Yadi didn't play 130. He played, what? how many games did he play? 70? Yeah, Somewhere 70. around there. Yeah. He didn't play a full season. So, you're talking about the players. What changed? This is essentially the same team. The players didn't perform to the level that they were expected to. The starting pitchers didn't perform to the level that they were expected to. You had a pending free agency for a couple of your pitchers, similar to what the Blues had in Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Pending free agency. Were they, were they going to get new contracts? Nope, they're not. How are they? How is this team going to be? It has not been good Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can place the blame solely on the manager and say he hasn't done well enough. This is a team that has pitched the contact. That was their philosophy. Well, the shift is here, is no longer here. So now you got two infielders on each side of the bag as opposed to three. That changes your analytics. That changes how the pitches should be pitched. Guys aren't performing well enough based on the rules changes and based on just – their inability to get the job done in 2023. Yes, and I think that to the coaching point, just going to play devil's advocate, and I know it's a completely different story, uh, sport, so it's hard to compare those things when you're talking about NHL, MLB, and even NHL or college football, but Deion Sanders, I think, is a good example of how coaching can make a difference, and that's college football. That's a very different avenue, but to me, this was a misstep by everyone involved with the Cardinals organization. I'm looking at John Mozalek. I'm looking at the entire front office. I'm looking at Olimar Marmol too, and the coaching staff. This is something that everybody does have to take accountability, and they have. They have at times. Olimar Marmol has fessed up to when he felt like he has made a mistake in a game, so I give him complete credit for that. I think the frustration lies in, regardless of who the manager was this season, they were going to get a lot of flack for this because this is a historically bad season in the rich Cardinals history, not something that you would like to see. And it's just a complete stain, but it felt like it was something that was building up to this. Right. And for Ali Marmol, Mosellock mentioned there, he's still a young manager. And that's my whole point of next season say that John Mosellock does actually go get the pieces that he needs. To me, that is where it's very important for Ali Marmol to see what he can fully do as a manager because then he gets those right pieces in and seeing how he can execute that and if he can con- continue to develop players and also maximize their talents, if he gets those right pieces because, look, the starting rotation 
was a huge mistake mm-hmm. going into this season. This starting rotation did not pan out as planned. You can't predict everything that was going to happen, but to have so many of those guys really have a down year and then not to have as many options available, I think is something that is going to haunt them just for the rest of what happened this season. Here's the problem with, with what everyone is saying. If, if Ali is the issue, Ali doesn't, evaluate guys, doesn't sign guys, doesn't bring guys in, free agency, trade, whatever the case may be. He plays the guys that are on the field. If you want to be a good team, then the people that are not on the field have to stay the hell out of the way for the people that are. Meaning the people in the dugout that are making real-time decisions. We can go back to last year when Jose Quintana got taken out of that game. Do I think that that was an Ollie decision? I do not. I think that came from somewhere else. He's going around the line. He's the one who's executing it, and that's and that's the issue. But if you if you give a directive to your people and they don't follow that directive, what happens? Uh, Mike Schill happens. What happens? (laughs) What are we talking about? We get directives from our people. If we don't like it, go somewhere else. Yes, do something different. But how many baseball? How many major league teams are there? Thirty. He's got one of thirty jobs in the world in in America, Mm -hmm. and so. Why would he go somewhere else to do something else if this is one of the 30 jobs in America? He's a manager of a major league baseball team. You can call him a puppet. You can call him whatever you want to call him. But the difference is if he's been been giving a directive on how to run the baseball team on the field, then he has to do it because that's what his boss is telling him to do. Is it right? Probably not. But it got the last two guys fired, if I'm not mistaken. It did. One for sure. Well, Mike Matheny had a uh, slew of issues during his coaching career. Fundamentals, the fundamentals dropping off during his era is something that I think a lot of people look back at that and they say, well, okay, we ridiculed Mike Matheny and it even led to, that was one of the things, because there was also stuff behind the scenes with, I think it was, uh, who was it? Was it Jordan Hicks that was involved with something with... uh, Bud, I can't remember what his name was, but I, I know that there was other issues, but also the fundamentals dropping off is something that we saw during the Mike Matheny era. And so when you see some similarities, not saying that this season is like that last season with Mike Matheny, but when you see some similarities, I think that maybe it's understandable as to why some people might be angry at the coaching staff and Ollie Marmol, because if you were upset about that whole Mike Matheny and the fundamentals dropping off, then you see what happens this season. Now, do they have the ability and the talent to go back at it next season? A hundred percent. And the thing is, to your point, Carrie, too, getting rid of Ollie Marmol does not solve any problems because they're going to once again go and get the same type of manager where it's somebody that they can be mad again. Somebody that will philosophically align with them. They don't want they don't want the old school manager personality. They don't want that. Right. No. The issue is the people that are not on the field should not be making decisions for people on the field that there are things that take place in real time that are happening in real games that are that are right now decisions that need to be making, you know, making in in, in a blink of an eye. And now I have to go off of what was told pregame. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two days ago, you just have to play the game from your gut and play it in the right way and manage it in the right way and be allowed to do that as well. And if you are not allowed to do that, you're not going to have success. And this team has not been good enough all season long. They haven't. They, they've they completely underperformed. That's also on the players. That's why I'm saying this is an all-around. Well, you know when you talk about when a team wins or they loses, it's a whole team, right? Yes. You're looking at everybody. You're looking at the organization. Some decisions are made. And there was a lot of missteps going into this season. <laughs> Rocky is <laughs> fried over there. Stressed out but over there. You all right, buddy? 
Yes. These because we, we're getting texts that are just like first. I mean, we're getting a lot of great texts. Somebody pointed out that like Marmol is a lot like Contreras in this situation. You can't blame Marmol for the lineup. You can't create, blame Contreras for the pitching. It's very similar. But we we're also getting people who are just like, oh wow. So now you guys admit that he's a puppet. I didn't say he's a puppet. What I said was but his thing, job. But, but here's yeah. the thing, though. But people saying that like, well, now you guys finally admit it again. This is the show that talks about 2 p.m. meetings more than anything else. There's the the uh, the idea that Marmol has not had complete control of the game in and game out decisions is not a new theory on th- during these three hours. That's Ran- Randy's been saying that for a very yeah. long time. And, and here's the thing. Once again, saying going into next season, this seems like this will be even more of where Ollie Marmol couldn't take that next step. Maybe this was a learning lesson for the organization on how they should handle things where you don't have those 2 p.m. meetings. You hear that we're talking about the 2 p.m. meetings and that it's more be allowed to be the feel for the game and it sounds like even though natural churn is not exactly the term we want to hear you want to hear turnover and accountability maybe it will be able to bring in some more coaches that Ollie Marmol is going to look to work with and one last thing before we break I, I would say going into his third year you may have a little bit more uh be, be a little bit more comfortable in your position, in your role, and understand, hey, yes. now I'm going to do it my way. I, I yes. got three years under my belt. Exactly. It, it didn't work your way. I, it didn't work in, in 2023. Let's figure out if we can make it uh, work for 2024. And exactly. hopefully we get the players in place. You get a manager that is willing to go against the grain at times to make those things happen. All right. That's Kerry Davis. Coming up next, we're going to go and dive back into Mizzou's big win this past weekend. Rockio, even though we should be excited about it, Rockio, for whatever reason, is upset about it. I guess we'll discuss that next coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Battle hold a loop power with three seconds to play in regulation tied at 27. Good snap, good place. Kick is up. It is... Yes! Oh, walk-off winner from 61! Harrison Nevis! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and that was the voice of the Tigers, Mike Kelly, after the game-winning kick by the thicker kicker, Harrison Mevis. Brooke, did Missouri's win, big win on Saturday, prove anything to you after a week of doubt? Well, you know what? It proved to me that Rockio really doesn't like Mizzou. He Wait, doesn't oh, like that's, winning. Oh, is that? Oh, oh. He, he wants to Uh-oh. win in a certain way. I think that he was pretty upset with what transpired before transpired before that Mavis field goal. Yeah. Because, I mean, and look, yeah. Drinkwitz said that. It was a very boneheaded decision there. You know, that was a very bad delay of game penalty. It could have been a 56-yarder instead of a 61. But either way, Mavis really bailed him out. He even said that. So that was great on Eli Drinkwitz. If there's anything that I feel like it proved to me is that Brady Cook looked like your starting quarterback. To me, I think that there was some concerns with that whole quarterback competition that really wasn't a quarterback competition and Eli Drinkwitz getting some backlash from fans and from people to have that very short quarterback competition and to go with Brady Cook. But Brady Cook, to me, 
that was the best game of his career so far. And even statistically, it was. He threw for a career-high 356 yards. He had two touchdowns. He used his legs for another touchdown, too, and that's something that he is very good at. But I thought that that was a huge positive. Brady cooked really battled, and I think that that's also a testament to Kirby Moore and Eli Drinkwitz. They said that they showed all the playbook mm-hmm. with that, with those first two games, and that was Eli Drinkwitz being a little tricky there because him and Kirby Moore definitely showed a lot more with Brady Cook. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was uh, it was good for the Missouri Tigers to win that game. There was something that happened with Brady Cook uh, pregame or, or before the game started or during the game that really had uh, Coach Drinkowitz on fire. Yeah, we, we, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> remember that one. <laughs> yeah, the, he was uh, perturbed by the response of the Mizzou fans as it pertains to uh, one Brady Cook. And like, I, especially knowing that he was, he, he had the yeah. performance that he had, and that was the thing is that there was a lot of people who were really it seemed like upset, upset and fired up about this whole thing being made about a quarterback competition, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't. I think Sam Horn is somebody who is very talented, and people were wanting to see more of what he could do. But this is the right decision, it seems like, for the team right now. And right. so when Brady Cook, it was early on in the game when he went out there. He definitely got a kind of maybe shocking reaction from fans where he was booed. And Eli Drinkwitz, for him to make sure that he mentioned that and to say that that's not okay, And that's that's what I was saying last week about Eli Drinkwitz is I think with a quarterback competition, you know what, who cares what people says? Because I know that he gets very fired up and he mentions like what people are talking about, that it doesn't matter. You don't even have to say all that. You name who the quarterback is, fans can either get behind it or not. He is the one who's calling the shots and knows what people want. Yeah, Drink had some thoughts on that, on that booing of his starting quarterback. Redemption's a beautiful thing, and hopefully it will quiet the noise and get people to be pushing in one direction, to be quite honest. Um... I'm going to say it. It pissed me off when we booed our starting quarterback to start the game. That pissed me off. And he went out there and played his butt off for this university and this team. They need to get behind him. We need to get behind the young man. You want to boo me? Fine. You don't boo the starting quarterback. It's bull crap. I'll say it again. It should never happen. Harrison Mevis. He's tough as nails, does everything the right way. Game on the line, he makes it. Beautiful. And that's redemption. But that really bothered me, and I'm so glad he played so well. So, so yeah. why are you laughing? I, I, was the show, it was the, I'm so glad. That, that, didn't, that didn't make you, you want to run through a wall? What, nope. what yeah. was so funny so, about that? Is it is it the phrasing? I guess my question would be is, are you to blame for the booing? Because you that's, made the quarterback competition thank you. open. That's what I was saying. And how I, uh, look, and this is what I talked about the first two weeks. I am I am fine with Brady Cook being your quarterback. Completely fine. But what I will never understand, and Eli Drinkwitz isn't the only coach that does this, when you like purposely like walk yourself into this, you created the controversy. Yeah. You're the one that said it was going to be a quarterback competition. <laughs> and, then it wasn't. and then it ended literally yeah. abruptly in the first game. So you kind of allowed that negative attention to come in. Now, Brady Cook just rising like a phoenix through the ashes was absolutely beautiful in that game. He handled it so well. So to me, that's very commendable that Brady Cook was able to handle that adversity so well. But to be fair, and like you said, Carrie, uh, Eli Drinkwitz kind of opened that up to happening. I'm a man. I'm 40. 
Yeah, if you want to go in, go in like like Mike Gundy did. I'm a man. Don't go after my players. I'm a man. I'm 40. You you go after the guys like that. They, they take some tips from it's, old Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Just it's the <laughs> chiding, he, chiding he your fan base, door. chiding your fan base one week after chiding the journalist covering the team. It's just, it just it's he doesn't have to add that under- extra stuff. Just, he doesn't have to do that. Why? Like why your anger is weirdly placed. My you guy. opened the door. So that's like you opening the door and people walking in and stealing your stuff. And then you're mad at like, yeah, come on in. You, you like, invited this criticism of Brady cook when you made the decision to have an, an open quarterback competition. And then to your point, Brooke ended it in the first half of the first and, game, and the way that yeah, it went like, about it. It was like, a quarterback was, competition until it's not. Yeah. I mean, and then after, Afterwards, talking about if his daughters were older. I mean, you're opening yourself up for criticism with that. And look, I appreciate how honest Eli Drinkwitz is, but sometimes there's some things that you could possibly keep in internally. But I feel like that's who Eli Drinkwitz is. He kind of feels like almost, do you feel like he like takes the villain approach in the SEC that he likes to have that underdog mentality where nobody has his back? Yeah, I think, I think. Coaches and players find whatever they can, and I, I mean, we all have done it, whatever yeah. chip you can find to get you motivated to be uh, the best version of yourself, even if you have to create it on your own. Yes. And, and so, it, yeah. And look, now, what do you think about the SEC East? Not much. Not much. I mean, I, I don't think... I, do they have a chance to come out of the SEC East and, and potentially play in the SEC championship game? Maybe. Georgia's still around. Uh, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's true. My apologies. <laughs> but I saw yeah. a lot of people on social media after this. And look, this was this was a fantastic win. All the credit in the world to Eli Drinkwitz and Kirby Moore for making adjustments they needed. Brady Cook for really taking on that starter role completely. But I think that it also opened the door for that conversation of what do you think that Mizzou's chances are now with the rest of their schedule and when you're looking at the SEC East competition? Well, I, I mean, they, they I have to look at their schedule and see who they have. Who did they play Memphis this weekend here yes. in St. Louis? And so, you know, that's going to be a challenging game. It's away from home. It's a it's a sort of a, a home game, but not really because they're on the road. They're coming to St. Louis. But. I just think that they have an opportunity. They go to Vanderbilt after that. Then they play LSU, number 12 LSU. They got to go to Kentucky, which I think is going to be a tough game, versus South Carolina, which is always uh, a tough game. And then you got Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida in three weeks straight, which uh, that Tennessee team took a tough loss to Florida. Florida mm-hmm. played really well. I don't know I don't know where, you know, this, this, this weekend will be a crucial game for them because if they can go yes. 4-0, then they could potentially win seven games this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe squeak out eight. But if you lose against Memphis, you probably beat Vanderbilt. And then you're looking at some tough challenges against, like I said, LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina. They always play them tough no matter what. Uh, but then you got those three three really tough games, uh, yeah. Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, which will be uh, be a tough stretch there. Yeah, Georgia's still around. So that would But around. you never know. This I feel like this SEC season has already been so strange, or college football in general, of things that you thought might would happen have not really exactly panned out that way. So maybe this is a huge opportunity for Mizzou to continue 4-0 as they can do that this weekend against Memphis, which Memphis is a very, yeah. very good football program. It's going to be a good game for them. I feel them. like the more you you hear drink quotes, Brooke, you, you, you're, you have a tendency to slip into your – you have a tendency to slip into the, into the drink talking a little bit. No, uh-uh. I don't sound like that. You, just, you said the phrase that something might thought would happen, and I was like, that's the most – that was the most – I didn't mean thing. to. That was just – that, that was, was me I being tired. Was, that was me being tired. It didn't sound 
incorrect though. It just sounded like the southern way of kind of saying it. I don't I think, know. I think you, I think you, I think it was an accident. I think, I think <laughs> drink, we're talking for three hours I straight. Think, I, I can't think, be perfect. I think, okay, I think, it's not a bad thing. I just think drink gets you to dip into it a little oh, bit. Oh no, I think, I think he brings you. I think I, he, I think he draws you. My, citizen, my he, system. I think he draws you from the Mississippi towards the Appalachians. Oh, he draws mm-hmm. you from the Mississippi towards the Appalachians. No, not at all. <laughs> You're just trying to bring back Southern Bell Brook. That's what's happening. That, that's Brooke up, Gary. Coming up next, we got a little bit of rock and roll. That's next on the Open and Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Back to the opening drive, and now's the chance to join 101 ESPN for Blues and Brews this Friday evening at Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Get fired up for the blues season at this outdoor street party featuring live music from country music star Chris Lane and local blues musician Marquise Knox, plus appearances by blues players and alumni, food trucks, merch, 101 giveaways, and more. Tickets are on sale now, or you can text in to win free tickets to Blues and Brews at 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. Blues and Brews is presented by Bud Light 101 ESPN 92.3 WIL. Get all details at 101ESPN.com. And Carrie, we usually do a game, but I had to nix the game today because we got a text during our <laughs> earlier Cardinals discussion that was simply too perfect, and I, I decided this yep, person needs a good. reward for being this clever. This was from the 314, and they said, listen, we've had Matt Carpenter salsa, and we've had Cardinals Cherry Crunch ice cream. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the next Cardinals-themed product at Schnucks, John Mosellock's Natural Churn Butter. Yeah, yes, that's a good one. Well that's, that we deserves tickets for sure. Far that's away. The greatest response we received, although the ones that that were directly calling us stupid, I thought maybe right there in the running, but this one just barely (laughs) edged it out. So this is a lesson learned. Be creative maybe with your text and not call us stupid, and you might win something. You can call me stupid all you want to. Just spell your name right? You don't even have to do that. That's fine. I do enjoy seeing all the spelling. Yeah, I was just saying, just in case we have all those texters who are listening to our Cardinals discussion, how do you spell it, Carrie? C-A-R-E-Y. Every single angry text without... Not, Not a K. Without exception. Not an I. Without exception. Every single negative text that was coming after Carrie personally was spelling his name completely (laughs) and totally wrong. (laughs) Which may be intentional. Might have been intentional. It's fine. Not a problem. (laughs) It's all right. Let's talk about a little sports here. Something that that broke early on in the show we haven't got to touch on today. And that is that after 16 years of searching, the Tampa Bay Rays are set to announce a new stadium deal. Although it's still in St. Petersburg. Oh, oh, the way that you led into that made it sound like One, they might be going somewhere else. $1.2 billion, 30,000 seats, and a fixed dome. It will be part of an 86-acre redevelopment. It is set to open right now, according to front office sports, in 2028. When I first saw Tampa Bay Rays are expected to announce the completion of a deal, and then I saw in St. Petersburg, I was like, okay. And then I see fixed dome. What, how is this, what is, why is this a new deal when it's the exact same deal? Ah, uh, because they're trying to make sure that they stay there, essentially. Do you, you think that's what it is? You don't improve on it? You have no fans, despite winning consistently. You don't make me think, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, change does, one does, of the two big ooh, things. Ooh, the ugly yes, stadium. Yes, ooh, 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 yes. ooh, does the new stadium come with fans built in? Ooh. 
Oh, no, you're still on the wrong side of the bridge. Great question. Because, ooh, ooh. Yes. What difference does it make? So, and to your point, Carrie. Nobody gets to see it. It's still going to be a dome. It's like a tree falling in the forest. Did it really happen? It's still going to be a dome, which is (laughs) ugly, which is the problem now with what you got. No, the the problem you have now is that that people don't show up. That's a problem. That is a problem. And you're winning. I find that so as much as we talk about the Cardinals and and how frustrated people show up to watch the Cardinals play baseball. And if you are a uh, a, a, a free agent going into this offseason and you want to play for for a team that has fans that show up, now you got to win. Now don't they, don't think they're yes. going to show up if you're not winning because it's going to be looking like uh what I saw this weekend past weekend past week with Baltimore. They're number one in their in their division, and no one's there. Well, and their owner has a lot to do with that because yeah, he's not a way, good person. The players are playing, and yes. they're winning, and nobody's there. So, no. I mean, I'm looking at this Tampa Bay uh, attendance, and they are the They are currently, this third, season, twenty no 27th yeah. in the league when it comes to great. attendance. And so when you announced the new stadium, I was thinking maybe Nashville was getting their expansion team. I don't know. But looks like that's not maybe, happening. Maybe, maybe, maybe fans come with the stadium. Or maybe you put it in a part of the city that the fans actually uh, will travel that's to. Because a here's key the thing. Point. Here's the thing. You look me in the face and tell me that it makes a ton of sense. It's not that, that bad people, of a drive. Like, but look me in the face and tell me that it makes a ton of sense that they that, that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a consistent draw in Tampa Bay, a hockey team, but a baseball team isn't. Explain to me just on the surface, does that make a lot of sense, Kerry Davis? Just it, on the surface, does that make a lot of sense? Probably not, but they it's both not, have success. Tampa and St. Pete is not one a more. terrible drive. It, okay. It's like 15 But then minutes. when I ask people who live down there, why is that it's always like the first the most. thing they list? Man. The Buccaneers don't have an issue. The Lightning don't have an issue. Why does a team that has as much success as the Rays have an issue when the only difference between them and the other ones, who again, the Lightning have actually won, but the Rays have been on the the cusp. The Bucs have actually won twice in the last 20 years, but there's been a lot of bad football between those years. There is. And before that. And so my point is, is why can those two draw when Tampa Bay can't, when the Rays can't? And the fact of the matter is the only, the only difference of is the location sports, is location relative uh, to the to the majority of Tampa Bay? Should residents. probably look into that if you're Tampa Bay. Also, stop putting dome stadiums in freaking Florida for a it, no summer no, sport. No, 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 no. It, it's hurricanes, rain, brother. There is how many yeah, games do you think they're going to play? That's There's a lot of tra- hurricane season. Whew. Let me tell you something. Hey, you're in Florida. Deal with it. No, it have, you're going to miss a lot of retract- games. You can't make it. It's 2020. It's going to be 2024. <laughs> we can't make a retractable roof stadium that can that can withstand hurricane conditions. Really? Come on. Uh, Adam, I'm not an architect. I don't, don't tell know. me that's don't tell me that's not a real thing. No. Hey. <laughs> hey, I don't know. They had to make. It, I'm sure they had to make the one in um, Indianapolis like tornado proof or something in a bunch of different ways. They can't do it with a retractable roof one in. Tampa Bay, come on. Get a te- get an architect to text in. There we you can, go. Architecture. We can, we can figure this out sooner rather than later. Thank you, Rock. Fine. Great show today. Brooke, yes. this was fun. You have a this great show fun. today. We, we did yes. an outstanding job. We got the people going. We got, got them going. There you go. For me, that's Carrie. I'm Carrie Davis. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Coming up next, you have a balloon party. T-Mac and Ajax both in? Yeah. It uh, seems like it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, T-Mac and Ajax balloon party. That's next. Until tomorrow, we will see you, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.